Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Bat Around on a beautiful Saturday morning here in Baltimore. We're coming to you from the Chesapeake Employers Insurance Studio. The Bat Around is brought to you by Chesapeake Employers Insurance, your workers' compensation insurance specialist. I am Paul Valley, your host of the Bat Around, and joining me as always is Zach Goodman, my incomparable co-host. Zach, how are you this morning? Pretty good, Paul. Uh, nice Rangers uh, Orioles win over the Rangers last night. Pretty decent game to watch. Uh, you know, one of the more, I guess, exciting games for the Orioles in the past week. You know, they, they haven't hit a lot. They've been kind of struggling. So, you know, they put up five runs and they they pitched pretty well. And it was nice to see. So I enjoyed that. Yeah, it was nice to see uh, Jorge Lopez get back on track after his dismal start last week against yep. the against the Red Sox and his kind of tough luck outing in his first start against against the Yankees. He goes five innings, two hits, two runs, eight strikeouts, one walk, took a no-hitter into the fifth inning. He retired the first nine batters on 34 pitches with six strikeouts, labored a bit, in the fourth inning with a 20-pitch inning. Uh, did get a couple more strikeouts there, but also walked the batter. But retired 12 of the first 13 batters without allowing a hit with eight strikeouts. Um, and then you come into the fifth inning. And he falls behind each of the first two hitters. Uh, 2-0 to Dahl, 2-1 to Solak. Both of them hit home runs to right field. The second one, almost a spectacular play by Anthony yep. Santander. He just missed a leaping catch at the wall that would have robbed the home run. Well, uh, like, it, like he did in Houston a few years ago, that was a very comparable play to that. It yeah, was, that, that, that was a, that was a, the the front end of a of a double, double play. play. Yeah, um, yeah, it, it would have been a spectacular play, but he just missed time to jump. That that ball was catchable. Um, we're not blaming him. It was it was it was yeah. a home run. It would have been a, the the top play on SportsCenter had he made the catch, and he just missed it. But we're not going to lament such things because the Orioles still got the win five to two. You know the way the game started yesterday. Um, I was like, oh, God. Here, here we go again. Here we go yeah. again. Because Cedric Mullins, four-pitch at bat, um, strikes out on a breaking ball in the dirt. Did not look good. And you're sitting there, and in the back of your mind, it, it has to creep in a little bit that Mullins got off to such a hot start. 11-game hitting streak, and then he goes hitless in both games of the doubleheader on right. Thursday. And then you see him swing at a pitch like that. And you're like, oh, no. Don't start getting yourself out. The Orioles have not that many guys hitting right now. If you have Cedric Mullins, who's been your best hitter this season, start to get cold, then you're really you got to worry. Then you're in trouble. Who's who's hitting if Cedric's not right? You know? And so you watch that at bat. You he had a he had a pretty poor at bat um, in the second game of the doubleheader on Thursday. So you get nervous, but then he doubles. He singles in the game, kind of gets himself back on track before another kind of ugly strikeout to end his uh, his day uh, in his fourth at bat. But in the first inning. Strikes out on four pitches. Santander comes up and grounds out. Was it? A, it was a, either a ground out or a fly out. I think it was a ground out on a 1-0 pitch. Wasn't a productive at-bat. But it wasn't a productive at-bat. Um, and so you're looking at it, and the Orioles already have two outs in the first inning on six pitches. And you're like, man, this approach is terrible. Yeah. And then the dong jockey comes up. DJ Stewart steps to the plate. And look, he struck out. Let's not, let's not mix emotions here. He struck out. But he saw eight. Pitches, great at bats from DJ. Just, yeah. a, just a great. He seems like the only player in this lineup right now, not named Cedric Mullins, that knows how to have an at bat. Saw eight pitches, fouled off a couple pitches. He, he, he made the pitcher work in what otherwise would have been. And look, fourteen pitches, pitches is nothing to sneeze at. It's still a quality inning from the starter, but it's certainly better for the Orioles than an eight pitch 
first inning. DJ Stewart sees more pitches in his at bat than the first two hitters combined. Um, and then you go to you go to the second inning, and no, I'm sorry, it was the third inning. The third inning, uh, Galvis yeah. leads off with a triple, and his bat's starting to come alive. He it's, hum- it's about time. It, I mean, it, it really is. It, it, it really is about time. He homers in the second game of the doubleheader on Thursday. Then he triples in it to lead off the third inning, scores on the Cedric Mullins base hit. And this is where Anthony Santander, to me, showed signs that he is about to break out of this early season slump that has a batting 196 after last night's game. He hits a ground ball up the middle, hit the ball off the barrel, he hit it hard, it hit the back end of the mound, um, and popped up just enough that the second baseman was able to have a play on it. That ball doesn't touch the mound, it's a base hit, it's another right. RBI. Uh, but the 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 at-bat advances Cedric Mullins over the third base. Now, the Orioles' other batters, uh, when you're looking at DJ Stewart, who I believe popped out to thir- in foul territory behind third base, and then Mancini, who, oh man, he needs a day. Yeah, he really does. He, he, he needs a day. He strikes out. They don't score Mullins. But Santander had a productive at-bat. Then you go to the fifth inning. Galvis leads off with a double. Uh, Cedric, then he singles to, to score him, or to get him to third base. And then Santander comes up again and has another productive team at-bat. Deep fly ball to center field, scores the run. Um, the Orioles end up getting a couple more on the DJ Stewart two-run homer on the next, next at-bat. And then Trey Mancini strikes out again. Uh Look, the, the Orioles had productive at-bats. They looked much better. Their approach looked much better innings two through five. We're going to get to the, their last four innings uh, here in a second. But Trey Mancini, man. It, oh, it's, it's been a rough go of things. The, I the, mean, The golden sombrero, 0 for 4, yeah. four strikeouts. None of, it didn't look particularly great in any of the, those at-bats. He had three hits all week since we last spoke. All three of them were home runs. He drove in seven. But the dude's striking out at a high rate. He leads the major leagues in grounding into double plays. Does Trey Mancini need a day off? Yeah, I think they tried to give him one before the before the uh, game got rained out last week, and you know it, it ended up being kind of a rain out off day for him. They put him right back into the lineup before the doubleheader, and he played both games of that doubleheader and didn't have you know really that great of a game in either. He did hit the home run in the first, but again, just striking out a lot. And generally, what, what I see with Trey Mancini right now, and and frankly, a lot of the Orioles hitters is just the chasing rate is so high. These guys are, are chasing everything. I mean, they're not having productive at bats because you're swinging at pitches three feet out of the zone, you know, on an on a two zero count, and it, you just can't do that kind of thing. And you know, Trey Mancini has been probably the worst of them all. Ryan Malkhouse has been up there as well with the chases, but. You know, the, the high fastball has been so effective against this team right now. The high the high fastball, pitchers know they can just throw it up there 95-96, and the Orioles aren't going to hit it. Well, yeah, and, and the thing is, a high fastball, and, and and I've played baseball all my life, the high fastball looks like a freaking grapefruit right. and coming it, in. If it comes in two feet above the zone, you're really not going to know until you swing through it. it. Exactly, and with launch angle being what it is these days and the emphasis on, all, on home runs and the three true outcomes right. and whatnot, it, you're going to swing through that pitch more often than not because it's an uppercut exactly. type, type of swing. Uh, so Trey goes 0 for 4 with four strikeouts. He did he did have the 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 rain out off day, but yep. I think he needs an off day where the team plays. Right. Sit back, Agreed. take in the game, maybe keep your maybe get some swings in the cages to keep yourself warm in case they, they need to the pinch hit. Um, maybe just DH. Maybe exactly. maybe maybe D, maybe give him give him today and then DH him tomorrow. We haven't seen Ryan Mountcastle at first base at any point this year. The, you know that they've said that Rio Ruiz can play first base in a pinch. 
Maybe give somebody else an opportunity. You've seen Chancisco play first base. Maybe give somebody else an opportunity to play first base. DH Trey, give him today. You don't want to. He doesn't want to come out. You don't want to take him out. But he needs to hit a reset. And what's frustrating with Mancini right now is the frustration that he's had going on. You know, he's he's kind of acting like after every strikeout, he kind of pretends to slam his batteries. You know, he just looks frustrated and he doesn't look happy. And that's what has made Mancini so good is that when he gets in a groove and he gets confidence, he is absolutely he wrecks everything. And right now, he has no confidence. You can just clearly tell it. And I think that you know he has maybe feels that he has something to prove. You know, he's coming off a year where he didn't play at all, and he figures, hey, I got to get back out here and show these guys I'm still worth it, show these guys I can still hit. He does it in spring training, comes into the the regular season and starts chasing everything and doesn't have any good at-bats. He's not hitting really at all besides for a little bit of power. So I, I think Trey will come around. You know, he's a professional hitter. He's Trey Manson. He, right. He, he's, he's going a, to come around. He's going to come around eventually. I don't know how long that's going to be. Maybe an off day will get him there. He, even in his worst year, he was still close to a 250 hitter with 24 home runs. And you can excuse right. that because he had a knee injury that really hampered him the first half of that and, 2018 and, season. And that reminds me of, of this. Right now, what we're seeing from Trey Mancini is very similar to that year. You know, he he just kind of he had a great start to the season, got injured pretty early on, and then by the All Star break was so frustrated, went and saw Mo for a while, and then was able to come back and just be Trey Mancini for the end of the year. Yeah, and he'll he'll get back to it. Yeah. And you, the strength is still there, the power is still there, and when Trey Mancini's going good, he's spraying the ball all over the field. All three of his home runs are either to right field or right center, and they're all missiles. He has the two longest home runs by an Oriole this year. He has some of the highest exit velocities. He's run into some bad luck because his expected batting average is two sixty two, but his real his wow. real batting average is one fifty one. So, uh, and that kind of goes along with it. Seems like every team the Orioles have played has um, packed their gold gloves. Yeah, you, we have seen some stellar damn defense from the other teams against the Orioles. Some of that luck is gonna is gonna start to turn the other way. Hopefully, last night's performance was kind of a, kind of a uh, kind of a, a, a prelude to that. Right, a turning point for the uh, Orioles. Uh, uh, yeah, exactly. And, and you mentioned fr- uh, frustration coming from Mancini. Boy, the last four innings, the Orioles hitters looked frustrated again. Colby yep. Allard came in, man, and th- this is the the 14th overall pick in the in the uh, by the Braves in the 2015 draft. Came over to the Rangers in the trade for Chris Martin at the deadline a couple of seasons ago. He came in completely shut down the Orioles. Uh, nine batters faced, nine up, nine down, five strikeouts on 45 pitches. Orioles did not get a hit the last four innings or a base runner for that matter. Uh, they ended up striking out 11 times, just the one walk, and they went 0 for 12 to end the game. A, a, a stark contrast uh, compared to the beginning of the game. They 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 hammered Fulton Nevich. They made him throw 82 pitches in five innings, seven hits, uh, five runs, two home runs, including a no doubt Apo Taco from Rio Ruiz, which yep. was nice to see. It's nice to see him hit one to the opposite field and kind of pimp it a little bit. That dude yeah, had some right. struggles this year. I think he was three for seventeen with three singles in his last seventeen at bats. It, it was nice to kind of see him get off the schneid a little bit there. Um, look, Orioles. It's no mistake. They started the year three and zero, and they then proceeded to lose. What was it? Eight of the next of the next. Uh, Ten games. Yeah, they were two and eight coming into last night. Yeah, and they got swept by Boston. They lost three of four. They played four games in twenty nine innings against the Mariners. It's not baseball, folks. Right. It's not professional baseball to have a major league team play seven a seven inning game. I hate it. I can't stand it. Look, 
the, the writers, the journalists, the beat writers, everybody that covers the team, they love the seven-inning doubleheaders. It, 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 and when, when I see them say, oh, I love the seven, I want to beat my head against the wall. <laughs> it's not baseball. And if you yeah. don't want to be in the press box, then don't do it. I mean, look, you're, you're giving your hitters two less innings to you know, come back. Like the Orioles, you know, they got down in game one of that doubleheader and they weren't able to come back. But two innings, you know, if, if two innings more happen, the Orioles will have more at-bats and more chances to come back. So it kind of steals away chances to win, I almost feel like. And, and I know if, if you want to win, you're going to have to hit in those seven innings. I know that's the rules. That's the way they make it. But it feels like you're kind of stealing at-bats from hitters who could ma- help you come back in well, these games. Th- there's a specific game against the Yankees last year where the Orioles were trailing... Um, I want to say they were down five to three in the eighth inning, and Pedro Severino hit a three-run homer in the eighth, and they gave them gave the Orioles a six to five lead heading to the top of the ninth. Now that was one of the games where Cole Salser gave up a three-run homer to Aaron Judge, and the Yankees ended up winning that game eight to six. But without the set, without the seven-inning rule, it, 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 if that's if that's game two of a doubleheader or one of the games in a doubleheader. Pedro Severino doesn't get that opportunity to hit, exactly. that, to hit exactly. that late home run. And I remember watching that game and thinking, man, I'm so glad this wasn't a doubleheader. The Orioles lost the game anyway because the Yankees still got their turn too. But it it's not baseball playing seven innings. But I digress. If we're talking about baseball rules, I saw you tweet about it, and I tweeted about it as well, the double hook rule that the Atlantic League no. is going to start putting in. No. What, what are they even thinking? I mean, this is probably... Let me just explain it for people who haven't heard about the double hook rule. It's a rule where, essentially, when your starting pitcher gets pulled, your DH also goes away. So, again, we're going back to more pitchers hitting. It, it just, why? Like, uh, what, what, what makes sense about this? You know, you're going to waste guys on your bench really quickly. Ben McDonald made that point in one of the Orioles broadcasts. It just doesn't make any sense. Why, why would you... I, I have no... How does this help anything? I, I really don't understand it at all. It makes zero sense. It's, to me, like having Shohei Otani be your, be your, your, your pitcher every Sunday and bat him second. Otani's a special bat. He is. And he's proven that this year. The, the dude just absolutely rakes. And that's why I think the Angels are going to make the playoffs this year because that, that middle of that lineup, and they were it's real on, good. They were on full display last night. They are so good. Their two through five hitters are so good. But Shohei Otani is one of the best hitters on that team, if not in the entire league. And he, if he pitches five innings, he gets two at bats. He gets two at bats, and then and then you gotta you gotta plug and play. Doesn't make any sense. It it, it just doesn't make any sense to me. And that that double hook rule. And, and somebody posted on Twitter yesterday that they liked uh, not yesterday but a couple of days ago that they like the rule because it, it it puts emphasis on your pitcher needs to have a good day. So if your pitcher struggles, because it happens, every starter right. will no starter goes out there and has thirty three quality starts. Right, it just doesn't happen anymore. So you're you if your starter goes out there and it's an off day, he just can't locate his, his secondary stuff. His fastballs are right down the middle, and he gives up six runs in three innings. You're gonna punish your offense and tell him, "Hey, we're taking away your designated hitter. He might be the best hitter on your team." In the Orioles' case, it would either be Ryan Mountcastle or Trey Mancini or DJ Stewart. We're gonna take away your best hitter and right. and give your offense even less of a chance. To come back, how is that fair? And this person said, right. "Well, then it just makes you. It just means that your your bench players need to be that much better. If your bench players are that much better to make a difference, then why aren't they starting? Exactly. The, the only exactly. team this benefits is the Dodgers. 
Yeah. The but, Dodgers are the deepest team in baseball, and they proved that last night. You know, I picked the, the Padres to win the World Series this year, and they might. That Dodgers team is so good. Yeah, they're, they're, they're almost unstoppable. They're, they are so good. They're a machine. Right. They're, 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 you, you, no lead is safe. It's like, it's like the 96 to 2003 Yankees. No lead is safe against that team. It's ridiculous. Um, but here's, but an, here's another argument for me about the double hook. Yeah. How is it fair to your DH? If you have a guy who you DH and, and your starter goes three innings, even goes four innings, how is that fair to the guy that now he has to get pulled? You know, it, it just doesn't make not. any sense. And some people like so. You're telling me that David Ortiz, who exactly, who is going to go to the Hall of Fame as a DH, or Edgar Martinez, who's in the Hall of Fame as a as a DH, you're telling me that you're okay with those guys who don't have a position because they're they're not fast enough or defensively sound enough to play a position. You're going to tell me you're okay with not having those guys. Exactly. In, in the lineup. And yeah, you can say, well, then learn how to play defense. Okay. Uh, yeah, hey, hey. Not for you, everyone. You learn how to play defense. <laughs> All right? It, it, I was watching Moneyball last night before the Orioles game. It was, on, it was on AMC. And one of my favorite scenes in that movie is when um, Billy Bean and Ron Washington go to Scott Hatterberg's house and they're trying to recruit, recruit him to play first base. And, uh, and Billy Bean goes, and it's Brad Pitt playing this character. He yep. goes, it's... He's like, it's not that hard to, to play first base. Tell him, Ron. And he goes, it's incredibly hard. It's incredibly hard. hard. Yep. It's incredibly yep. hard. It, even first base, the so-called easiest position, right. is incredibly hard. You, mean, yeah, it, learn how to play defense. You learn how to play defense. There's still balls coming at you, ground balls 100 miles an hour at first base that you're going to have to snag. And generally, the guys who play first base are not as athletic as the guys on the hot corner at third base. Right. And it's much harder to snag. So you might think first base is easy. Take take you know the throw that that Michael Franco made to Trey Mancini last night that went in the dirt that Trey couldn't pick out. Do you think you could pick that one? Probably not if Trey can't pick it. So it is very hard to play defense, and you've got guys like you said, David Ortiz is not a starting first baseman, but he's your DH who's going to hit 35, 40 home runs a year, and and you're now you're taking that away with double hook. I I don't know what purpose it serves. I'd like to see. A and I know the Atlantic League is generally like experimental. They they do these kind of things on purpose because they want to try new things. But why do we keep having to change the game that's been around for so long and so refined already? I mean, we might as well start making it 85 between you know first and second now instead of 90 feet. I mean, you could just change anything if you want to now. If you're going to start taking away your DH after the third inning or the fifth inning or whenever your starting pitching goes out, it just doesn't make any sense. It really doesn't. It, it, it really doesn't. And we gotta we got to get Stan the fan we on do. the line here. So, Zach, here's what we're going to do today. We're trying to figure out how to keep your sounding off segment in this in this show with you now producing because it's a little difficult. The sounding off segment was built in so that Zach could get our here. G- give him a call. I'll, I'll, I'll explain this. the uh, The sounding off segment was built into the show so that Zach could have something to talk about while I was producing while I was getting the guest our first guest on the line. Now that Zach's producing, we don't really need that, but we don't want to take away Zach's segment because we really enjoy it when Zach gets gets fired up about things. So what we're gonna do here is we're gonna have you call Stan every week. And then when you get Stan on the line, we'll put we'll put him on hold, and then you're gonna give your sounding off segment. And that way, because the first thing we talk about with Stan is always the sounding off segment anyway. So we'll put we put Stan on hold. We'll do our your sounding off segment, and then we'll get Stan to hear the whole thing, and then he can give his take on this. And with that in mind, why don't you go ahead and give us your sounding off segment before we get Stan on? All right, I gotta pull it up here. Wasn't expecting this, but but let me pull it up. Okay, I meant to text you about it. I, I'm you're, sorry, you're, that's my bad. No worries, no worries. Um, 
ESPN Power Rankings came out a few days ago, uh, and it, I, I don't really think they reflect accurately what's going on in the league right now. The Yankees are ranked number three. The Yankees, who were now, and this wasn't the case then, but now have the worst record in the AL at this time of the year for the first time since 1991. The Yankees are number three. I get they're going to be good, but come on. The Yankees are not the number three best team in Major League Baseball right now. The Orioles are, Orioles are ranked number 28 behind teams like the Texas Rangers, like the Arizona Diamondbacks, who have been awful. And you've got guys like Madison Bumgarner, who are you're paying a ridiculous amount of money coming out there and pitching terribly you've got the Kansas half ERA right exactly and you've got the Kansas City Royals who haven't lost a series yet on the year and they're not even in the top 20 like what, what are we doing here are we are, are these power rankings based on who we think is going to win the World Series at the end of the year or who is the best baseball team right now I know the Orioles are better than 28 that they are they are better than a lot of the teams that were ahead of them and the Kansas City Royals definitely should be much higher definitely should be much higher you see teams like the Yankees they should be much lower it's got to adjust based on what's happening. Right. And and go ahead and get Stan on while, while I'm talking about this. Um, Here, here's the thing with the Orioles. Okay, so you, you can't have your cake and eat it too, right, Zach? So if, if you want them to be indicative of what's going on right now, the Yankees at number three despite having the worst record in the American League and being in sole possession of last place in the AL East, they should be lower based on how they're currently doing. So right. the, the, the power rankings are in are shouldn't be indicative of should be indicative of the current standings, not how the team is viewed exactly. overall. It, but it, on, on on the same on the same chart, then the Orioles came into last night losing eight of ten. So shouldn't they be ranked twenty eighth? Where their standings are right now isn't indicative of how they're playing. They could be in second or third place. But losing eight of ten means that they're in the bottom third. I think it's fair to league. say they should be above the Diamondbacks. The Diamondbacks have been really, really bad, and I think you know they they lost two of three against the Yankees. But you could make an argument that the Yankees are in that bottom five right now, based on how they're playing. They're playing awful. Yeah, they're they're not playing well, and I think that we get a little too wrapped up in power rankings because they're just that they're just power rankings. Sure, it's, it's a fun sure. little thing that means absolutely nothing. You know what I mean? It's not like a top twenty-five ranking for a college team. It's what people think. And ESPN, they're always skewed, right? Yeah. They're yeah. always going to be skewed to the Dodgers, the Cubs, the Red Sox, the Yankees. Sure. You know, that's just how they are. You know, and with that in mind, we have Stan the fan on the line. Stan, first and foremost, how are you today? I spend so much time on my power rankings <laughs> doing my own, and they mean absolutely nothing. Stan, Stan where, where do the Orioles rank in your latest power rankings? <laughs> Stan, your power <laughs> rankings are the kidding. top I'm notch. They are. The be- they're the best. Uh, Orioles, uh, and I'll give you what I think power rankings sh- should mean. Um, I had the Orioles at 24th, uh, I had Arizona at 25th, Miami at 26th, Detroit 27th, Texas 28th, Colorado 29th, and Pittsburgh uh, 30th. Um, I can tell you right now that Colorado is going to take the bottom this coming yeah. week. Yeah. They'll fall to 30th, and Pittsburgh will move out of the cellar for the first time this season. Also impressive this week was Houston's uh, Detroit sweep of the Houston Astros, but then they followed that up by losing two straight to Oakland. My my view of power rankings is they should be a snapshot of the reality of that week. But but again, I'm not spitting things through a computer. I'm intuiting. I'm looking at trends. You know, it's a very inexact science. So. Uh, I had the Yankees, and by the way, my power rankings run from Monday to Monday. In other words, 
every game you play Monday through Sunday affects your placement for the next week. I had the Yankees at number nine. And I've actually started to think, and his, his name escapes me, I had the perfect guy that I thought was going to take over for Aaron Boone um, next year. Because I just don't think this team is built to win a championship. I think they've they've really made some missteps with this team. Yeah, it, it, it seems that way. It seems like the Yankees are the favorite in the American League every year coming after the coming through the off season, but they haven't even been to the World Series since two thousand nine. Right. And so how does this team continue to be the favorite? Yeah, they have Garrett Cole, and then who else? Corey Kluber's having a nice bounce back, but. You have Garrett Cole, and then you have a bunch of retreads or a bunch of guys who haven't proven anything yet. You have some injuries in the back end of your bullpen. The lineup, if if Stanton and Judge can stay healthy and produce, which they haven't proven that they can do uh, for the Yankees, Gary Sanchez is one of the – he went from one of the best hitting backstops to one of the worst hitting backstops in a matter of three seasons. This team, they're good. They'll make the playoffs, but championship caliber, there's just too many good teams. In the American League, yep. there's just too many good teams now. Now on that on that thought process, there, Stan. Uh, look, we're going to get to the Orioles here in a second. I'm really interested to get your early impressions on the team, but I want to talk about the rest of the league for a minute there, and let's stick with with the American League East here. The Yankees they're in last place for the first time since April 4th, 1998. Now that year they went on to win 114 games and a World Series championship. They're third in a row, or I'm sorry, they're, they're second in three years. Red Sox. Have won nine, had won nine in a row after losing their first three to the Orioles before losing their last game. They seem to be pitching and hitting. I picked the Red Sox to finish ahead of the Blue Jays uh, this year because I thought that their pitching would get better, their bullpen would be better, and I thought that their offense would be really, really good. Are the are they for real? Are the Red Sox for real uh, as they yeah, lead the I, East? I, or? Think, I, I think they they've they are somewhat for real. It's it's very interesting because I still think the American League East is overall the best division in baseball. And I have the Yankees, and this is pretty interesting, I have the Yankees at 9, Tampa at 10, Toronto at 11, and Boston rapidly moving up at 13. So that's the entire American League East, save the Orioles, between 9 and 13. So I think they're, they're for real. I think Alex Cora is clearly a bit of a difference maker, and they've thrown enough stuff at the wall, and some of it appears to be sticking right now. You know, Kyan Bloom was not going to get out ahead of his skis and start spending an enormous amount of money until he's really ready to win. And they've got a lot of money on the books and for sale, and they're going to wait to see what that return on that's going to be. Yeah, I mean, Stan, if we're, we're talking about the AL East, I mean, we have to talk about the team that went to the World Series last year. They didn't win it, but the Rays have been not very good this year. You know, they're ahead of the nope. Yankees in the standings right now. They're tied with the Orioles at 6-8. and eight, But what's wrong with the Rays? Is this, is this just a product of losing Blake Snell, losing some of your best arms, or are they just not that good of a team? Well, you know, I... I I think Kevin Cash, and don't get me wrong, I'm certainly not here to, to say he's overrated or he's not a good manager. I think you can get caught up a little bit in in your process. And, and I think he's so anxious to always prove 
he's the smartest guy in the dugout on either dugout that I just think he continues to not allow players to really get their stride. You know, he's constantly, I call it spinning plates. Um, but, but frankly, their bullpen is, is a bit of a shambles right now, you know, with, uh, Anderson out probably for three months, maybe longer. And, uh, Peter Fairbanks out right now. So they're missing two key bullpen arms in addition to two key starting arms. Well, and then you look at that team, and they rode Diego Castillo so hard last postseason, yep. and they're going to have to start doing that again with Anderson and Fairbanks. Now, those are two quality arms that you're missing in the in your bullpen. And we saw what happened when, when, when you overuse a guy. Diego Castillo ended up being ineffective in some of the most important games in that World Series last year. And... Look, the, the Rays, they're never going to beat you into the ground with their offense, right? Although their offense can be sneaky good at times. I think they were third in the AL on runs, surprisingly enough, last year. But they're, they're, they're going to out-pitch you. But if they're not pitching, what do they have? And you see that right now with a 6-8 and eight record. And yeah, I mean, I, an eye-opener was that Texas went into Tampa and won three out of four games this past week. That's yeah. not a good look. But then they immediately bounced back and beat the Yankees, who are struggling... Um, mightily right now i would say yeah remember one thing the yankees do have some fortifications though they've got that debbie garcia um who probably will be up in the next three weeks or so absolutely they've got other guys coming look the yankees will get hot as the weather gets hot and they'll start hitting balls out of every ballpark they play in and they'll get they'll get back to the playoffs i just don't know that they'll go much further than that now um the Dodgers and Padres last night opened a three-game series with a wild. I was I was game. up to that. I was up for that until three in the morning watching it on my uh, live stream. Stan, I got uh, I got I four hours of sleep last night yeah, because of that. I didn't game. turn I didn't turn it on until the eighth inning. Um, it, it was a pretty amazing extra inning uh, battle. It really was. It was, and then you see the bench is clear. Uh, when Mateo yeah. get, gets hit by a pitch, and it's like, come on, man, he's not trying to hit you. Just just shut your mouth and go to first base. You don't you yeah. don't need to be barking at the pitcher. He's not. This is this is a game of of high anxiety. A lot of a lot of things going on left and right. The guy's not trying to hit you. There's just no need to bark at him. Anyway, cool. I, I had my I had my own view on that. I you know they had a meeting at the pitcher's mound, the Dodgers uh, and. Um, and then, who, who was pitching at the time? It was Dennis Santana. Yeah. He was pitching. And they had a runner on third with nobody out, correct? That's true. They did. They had a runner on third. Wait a minute. Was there no out or one out? How did he get the third? He was started off on he start, second he start, base. Oh, there was one out because there was a ground out to the, to the right side. That's so right. He got so over the third base. I, I thought that he might have thrown at him uh, because, uh, because of the placement. If you're not really trying to hurt a guy, you're just trying to get him on base real quick. I thought where he hit him on the thigh was where you'd hit a guy. Well, so then what would um, be the point of that? Is that to assert your dominance set up over a, the team? Set, no, set up a du- potential double play. But why ball. not just put him on base then? Why not just intentionally walk him instead of throw uh, at him? Just what, think, was uh, it, what pitch was it? Was it a fastball? Or? Yeah. It was okay. a fastball. Yeah, there's no question. Yeah, the, 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 a fastball that bore in on him. You know, It was just interesting. They had a meeting, and then his first pitch. Hits the guy, but but it was much ado about nothing. Yeah, the really. cooler heads prevailed, and then the Dodgers ended up prevailing. Stan, that team is so good. That team is yeah, they, they, really they, are. they are so I, loaded. I, I got to tell you, I never heard of McKinnistry until the other day. 
And the guy's got like 14 RBIs, I think. I, I saw somebody tweeting about it. He was 1,001st pick in the draft the year uh, that he thir- got drafted. 33rd round. 33rd round. And 33rd he, round. What's his first name again? Zach. Zach. Zach, Zach would know, right? Right. I have to know that. Um, but, yeah, so the, the Dodgers get that win, 11-6 in 12 innings. Fernando Tatis yeah. was really the story. He's activ- he's activated after initial talk suggested his season might be over after that shoulder injury. He homers in his first game back. But I saw some swings from him last night, Stan. One swing, he let go of the bat with his front arm and and finished a swing with it in his in his, yeah, right, in his right arm. It looked be, like he was tender. That's going to be that's going to be a hard injury for him to sort of rehab and strengthen while playing. You yeah. know, I, I think it needs like three weeks to a month of doing a lot of just physical therapy on that. I think playing is going to really countermand uh, fixing that problem. Not to it was mention... Interesting, guys. It was interesting to watch Manny Machado though, look like he got hurt during a swing. I think it was in the bottom of the 11th, I think it was. It was in, um, it was in, the, it was in the bottom of the 9th. The bottom of the ninth when they were down. When six they to tied five. the game up, that's right. When yeah. they tied the game up, it looked you know, like you it's heard the check about swing Ma- walk. It's funny about Manny though. They were talking about how much pain he was in while he walked at first, and I looked at the box score and saw that he had stolen a base earlier in the game. And I always remember Manny being very sneaky with like doing a con job on injuries, and then and then taking off. And sure enough, he stole second. And he reached third on a on a, a wild pitch or a ball in the dirt that uh, Matt Barnes couldn't quite handle. Uh, I, I'll tell you what I the, the one the one fly in the ointment to me for the Dodgers is give me Corey Knable or give me David Price. I I no longer like Kenley Jansen as my closer. I, I just do not find him to to have that extra stuff now. That, that elite closers are made out of. And I think the, the answer is number 33. I think David Price is gradually going to move into that role. I wouldn't be surprised if that did happen. You, you and I talked about this on the show last year where you lost your confidence in Kenley Jansen. Yeah, I, I've, been, I've been, look, I've lost my confidence in Tom Brady for about six <laughs> years. I kept saying, hey, he's too old now. Yeah. And he won. I'm feeling the same way about Jansen. And the only thing he's got going for him is, I'm usually so wrong about things like that. But seriously, his stuff is no longer totally elite. It's just not, you know, it's not. Yeah, he he started to have his struggles last year. He's struggling to close out games this year, despite the fact that the Dodgers are what ten and two. No, I'm sorry, yeah. I think they're they're twelve and two. Yeah, better than that now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And well, yeah, they, they, one they, quick go one quick thing about Price that reflects back to the Orioles. I'm watching that game the other day, the day game when Matt Harvey pitched. And I got to tell you something. He wasn't Matt Harvey of 2013 or 15 when he was 98, 99. But Matt Harvey was electric for two innings in that ball game. And I'm not saying that he still won't become a useful starter for the Orioles this season. But if you were really thinking, if Matt Harvey were really thinking of how he could maximize his earning potential. He's 29 years old right now. He should be going to Mike Elias and Brandon Hyde and saying, guys, I've, I've, I'm done as a starter. Give me a shot at this at closing out games. I, I think he 
really would thrive as a closer. I mean, look, I watched Bud Norris eight years ago, more, you know, and and when he started to fail as a starter, I said that guy would make an excellent relief pitcher. And damn if he didn't have two or three really good years as a relief pitcher. And I think Matt Harvey could do the same thing, and even for longer than two or three years, because he's incredibly competitive, he's incredibly smart, uh, but I, I just don't think his stuff is going to play well enough as a starter for him to ever earn any real serious money again. I think you're right that he, he does have the stuff for, you know, to be a back-end bullpen guy. I do agree with that, but if he stays a starter, and I think he probably will for the time being. He probably being, will with the Orioles. Yeah, year, it, yeah, but that's my question is, when do the Orioles start to shop him? Because he's pitching well enough that you may get a team. Yeah, but his, but his earned run average is over five. Let's uh, let's see where, where his ER, whether this is sort of a, just sort of a calm in the storm of Matt Harvey's comeback or whether it's, you know, he's got to show three, four starts from now that he's knocked that ERA down to like 3.7 or something like that. And then I think that's when I think teams will start to say to the Orioles, hey, uh, we're interested in this guy, you know. I, I think and the, I and think that he... dance would take place during June and then he might get dealt. I think generally that the ERA could be a little bit deceptive for Matt it's, Harvey. It's misleading. He's pitched I, yeah. better than a five and a half. I, I think the, he has five ERA. I, I think I, I'll grant you that. I mean, the other day his ERA for that game, he gives up two runs in what four and a third innings. I think right. it was so two times nine is eighteen. It's over four, and he pitched better than a four ERA yeah. in that game. <clears throat> yeah, no, Matt, Matt Harvey. I, I, while he's been in the game, he hasn't given up more than two runs all year. While he's been yeah. in the game, so I, I, that's solid. Just yeah. his stuff. His stuff went from ninety six mm-hmm. in the first inning down to ninety two. Yeah, and that's, that's a, a problem. Significant yeah. drop in three and you know from the first to the fourth inning. Well, and, and absolutely. And the Orioles look. They're using Cesar Valdez to close out games. Uh, look, Tanner Scott. He threw 9 of 11 fastballs in his last outing for balls. He could not locate the fastball, and that's why he yep. ended up giving up the base hit to... to that's to, why he's not... He's really not close. Look, I love Tanner Scott. Me too. The Orioles will be besieged with offers for him, and I would hope that they... I hope they don't trade Mancini. I hope they don't trade Means, and I hope they don't trade Tanner Scott. But uh, I would say there's a, a very real possibility that any of those guys could go in it, deals. Mancini less so right now because he's playing so poorly. Well, let's talk about Trey Mancini a little yeah. bit. Like you just mentioned, he leads the majors in grounding into double plays. He has 18 yeah. strikeouts on the season after last night. He had a point, negative .4 war going into last night's game. 0 for 4, golden sombrero last night. Is he pressing? Does he need a day off when the team actually plays? Not a rain out, but an actual day off when the team plays. Um... I think you can overthink these things too much. I'll tell you this. I think Trey's season, and it can get late awfully early for a player yeah. when when it's all about his head, you know. And let's be clear, this is all in his head right now. Um, but he had that day off. The first at bat, he hits a home run, and everything is right in the world. Uh, he's hit in some, I won't say last night he hit in bad luck, because he looked absolutely horrible last he night. He did. One of the worst games I've ever seen him play last night. But but Raphael Devers 
has, I think, robbed him of three RBI hits this season, single-handedly. Yeah. So his numbers would be an awful lot better if he hadn't run into Raphael Devers. But his season, uh, I know this sounds really horrible to say, his season is sort of on the brink these next two or three weeks. And I don't think you can get too cute by saying, well, let's give him a day off when we're really playing. You know, I think uh, this is really all about Trey figuring it out. And I don't think giving him another day now, a week from now, I might say, no, he needs a day. But right now, I think he needs to play. I think he needs a little luck. Uh, and, he, and he's got to muddle through this thing because his season is on the brink. If he struggles as much as he has up to this point for the next two or three weeks, it's almost Chris Davisian, you know, how the numbers start to scare you and you and you get lost in the thing. Well, yeah, well, let's look at this. Trey said he likes to DH. He's played first base every game this year. You haven't right. seen anybody else over there. You haven't seen Ryan Mountcastle. They said Rio Ruiz can play first base in the pinch. You haven't seen him. You haven't seen San Francisco. How about let him DH for a game? Let let him get some time in the cage. I have no problem with doing. I have no problem with doing something like that. Uh, and maybe that would be a good idea for it's a way to maybe just calm him down. You know, we're all you know, I, it's funny that play last night by Franco in the ninth inning. I think if Mancini is hitting well. He makes that play. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. very easy to take offensive struggles I, into the field. Yeah, yeah. Now he did make a couple good plays. That one play he made where he overthrew. Uh, I mean, I, that ball looked like it had turned foul already when he picked it up. It did when he touched the base and threw it over to. And that was a clever play by Freddie Galvis that Scott and Ben brought up. Ben most importantly brought it up. How he. The, the player, Adalius Garcia's, Garcia, didn't see where the ball went, and Galvis kept his glove on him, like, stay right here because I'm going to tag you if you get off the back. Really good stuff. It was a clever play. It was. It was. Now, Stan, we're running, we're running short on time here, just a little bit, but we still have a little bit of time. DJ Stewart returned last week, seems to be having the best at-bats on the team, and that's the value that he brings is that, that great eye, that, he, that prolific eye, really, that he had in college. He got him drafted in the first round. Have you been? It's only been a week, but have you been impressed by DJ Stewart to this point? You know the the thing that I'm most impressed about with DJ Stewart, and I and I'm I'm not saying we're best buddies or anything, but I've talked to him about is, and I brought up that that year 2019. You remember when he got hurt twice? Once he got hurt in Texas, uh, where he was trying to catch a ball that was he was playing right field. And he was trying to catch a ball, and he slid, and Hanser Alberto slid, and they kind of collided, and he ended up missing like a week or ten days. And then he comes back. It might have been two weeks. Then he comes back and misjudges a ball in left field where he was late getting started, and he and he came in, and the ball hit him in the head. Do you remember that? That, that, that was in right field also. I do, it was in, no, that was in left field. That was in left field. It was? I thought it was in left field. Yeah, it was in left. Okay. It was left. Anyway, my point to him was, I, I was saying, I said it on the air, and I said, he's got to take off eight or ten pounds. Not because he looks bad or anything. He's got to be faster mm-hmm. with his first step in the outfield. And I know you're asking me about his hitting, but I'm impressed 
despite the fact that he hasn't played for like a close to a month now, five weeks, I think, since he got hurt in spring training, um, I'm impressed with the shape he's in. And I, I'm a DJ Stewart believer. I, you know, I don't know that he'll ever hit 290 or 300, but boy, when he connects, it's like a different, you know it's gone right away. Very, very he Kyle, really puts a jolt into a ball. Very, very Kyle Schwarber-esque. My, my main thing yes, with him yes. is he can hit everything, except it seems like he struggles with a high-velocity fastball. Mm-hmm. He gets yep. a 97, 98-mile-an-hour fastball. He, sing, he swings through it almost every I time. Got, I got news for you. Everybody does. That's Ryan true. Mountcastle does. Yeah, this Orioles team does. Yeah, That's the Orioles team does because some of the players just aren't quite disciplined. Mancini is disciplined, but yet he helped. He he looked so pathetic last night, it was beyond belief. I, I, I hope I haven't put the curse on him because he's on my fantasy page. <laughs> oh, Stan, you did it to him. Yeah. You, yep. you put the juju yep. on him, man. You did it to him. Look, I uh, did. I, should I give him away? Should I just put him on waivers? No, man. Yeah. I just, put him on your bench. Yeah. Put him okay. on your bench and uh, before you do what the Orioles do. Put him on your bench for a day or two. And then I mean, see I feel sorry for. I feel sorry for uh, Trey. He doesn't know what hit him. You know. <laughs> and neither anyway. did DJ Stewart on that play a couple years. <laughs> <laughs> um, right. that, be, before we let you go, Stan, the Orioles bullpen. They've had their struggles this year, but Paul Fry, he's gotten a season together after a tough spring. Uh, ending in two-thirds score last night with three strikeouts to lower his ERA to 159. They said he wasn't working on anything in particular in spring training, but that seems to have not been the case. Is this proof that you can't read too much in the spring training? Well, I asked to hide that in the post-game Zoom last night, whether, you know, and he said, nah, he just it was some... You know, it really wasn't anything that he was working on in spring. He just uh, he needed to get right, and he's gotten right, and he's really been uh, tremendous out of that bullpen this year. Yeah, how good can this bullpen, even without Matt Harvey, when the if these guys, if Sean Armstrong gets back to what we expect Sean Armstrong to be with Tanner Scott and Valdez, Fry back on track, how good can this Orioles bullpen be? It's got a chance to be. It's got a chance to be pretty good. I'm, believe it or not, I'm not a Sean Armstrong guy though. I, and I, and I'll tell you who else is bothering me a little bit is Tate. Tate needs to to start having more clean innings. Uh, when he came in to get that one out, he uh, he Hit really the first uh, face, it just yeah. was it was messy. Um, I'm liking what I'm seeing out of Lakens right now. Yeah. And on the taxi squad is Cole Solzer. Don't forget, Solzer, that he pitched well enough for Brandon Hyde to think that he could close games out last year. And then that mysterious foot injury that we never heard about until spring training this year. I like the way Solzer and Lakens are throwing right now a lot. Yeah, especially Lakins. Lakins came into the game the other day, and he fell behind 3-0, and then he ends up striking out. I think he struck out the side or got two strikeouts in the inning. Uh, he looked really good to me, and that was proof positive because the Orioles put him on the roster and put uh, Max yep. Caroller on the injured list. Uh, Lakins is proving to be a, a commodity for the Orioles. And, you know, Saucer was pitching injured last year. I think he's got a shot to make the team. Another guy uh, to, to have, have an impact on the team this year, we'll say that. Another guy who nobody talks about, but he's on the taxi squad, is Isaac Matson. He was the main piece in that Dylan Bundy trade yep. a couple yep. of years ago, and I think that he has an opportunity to come up and stay once he gets here. All right. So, all right, Stan, we're going to let you go. Uh, thank you I for joining us. Great it. to talk to you again this week. We'll see you next week. And Monday night, uh, Ross Grimsley and I, and we're, we're doing these Zooms on Mondays now at 6 o'clock. 
because we're baseball zooms, so why go against the Oriole game? Right, exactly. Uh, Mike Boddicker is our guest this Monday night. Absolutely. About, at 6 about, o'clock on Facebook Live. All right, we, we got you. About to give you a plug here in the Chesapeake Employers Insurance Studio. Right. We'll talk to you Thank next you week. Thank you, guys. Talk to you soon. Bye. See you, my man. That was Stan the Fan, Charles, who has two great shows for you every week. And like everything else in the world, they're happening over Zoom every Monday night. Stan and former Orioles pitcher Ross Grimsley visit with a different guest from the world of baseball. And every Wednesday night, Stan and Gary Stein chat a different newsmaker from the world of sports. This week, there there are three great shows. Stan and Ross broke down the start of the Orioles season. Stan discussed the sports betting bill that passed in the legislature with Bill Ordeen from Gambling.com. And Stan and Gary chatted with John Maroon about how he's working to help schools prepare for the upcoming name, image, likeness opportunities for student-athletes. Find these shows under the videos tab at facebook.com slash pressboxsports or pressboxonline.com. As Stan just mentioned, coming up on Monday night at 6 now, 6 so you don't have to miss the Orioles game, you won't want to miss it when Stan and Ross are joined by Orioles pitching legend Mike Boddicker. Stan's weekly shows are brought to you by C3 American Exteriors. Find them at c3america.com. Call C3 American Exteriors to get roof and siding repairs for the cost of your home insurance deductible. Don't let the insurance industry get one over on you. Call C3 at 410-401-9797 or go to C3America.com for a free analysis. We got to get a break. Hopefully when we get back, we'll have Levi Weaver to talk about the Rangers. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a wide range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Toyota to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. It takes time to get rich, flavorful coffee beans from the lush mountain regions of Colombia and Brazil to Royal Farms. But less than a minute to get yourself a delicious hot cup of the finest and freshest coffee in the world. Because Royal Farms' new Swiss-made coffee machines grind those rich, flavorful coffee beans and brew them one magnificent cup at a time. It's why Royal Farms makes the freshest and best coffee in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Glory Days Grill is celebrating their 25th anniversary this month, featuring their 12-ounce Silver Anniversary New York Strip Steak, the Smoky Thigh Wings, a Double Bacon and Cheddar Burger, the Strip Steak Sandwich, Barbecue Chicken Bowl, and their Silver Anniversary Turtle Cheesecake. Toast to 25 more years with Glory Days Grill's Silver Anniversary IPA, brewed by Virginia-based brewery Devil's Backbone, and take home a commemorative glass. Celebrate by entering any of their three contests online when a trip to Devil's Backbone Brewing Company, free wings, or lots of other great prizes. Enter online at glorydaysgrill.com slash 25th anniversary. The 25th anniversary menu is available through June 20th. Come in for great food, good sports, and family fun. If it's happening in Baltimore sports and beyond, it's happening on Glenn Clark Radio. New Ravens linebacker Patrick Queen. Appreciate it, so. Trey Mancini. Thanks for having me on, guys. Glad to be back on. He is Kevin Zeitler. Uh, thank you. Very happy to be a part of this. Ravens kicker Justin Tucker. Thanks for having me. Adley Rutschman. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. John Angelos. Thanks a lot. Good to be with you. Heston Kerstad. Thanks for having me. Ryan Mountcastle. Thanks for having me on, guys. Marlon Humphrey. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Quarterback for the University of Maryland, Talia Tungavailoa. Thank you guys for having me. He 
He is J.K. Dobbins. Thank you for having me. I had a great time. The great Ray Lewis. Always good to be home. Dickie V, Dick Vitale. Kyle is too diaper dandy. He is Mr. Cal Ripken Jr. Good chatting with you. Glenn and Kyle are live Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. to noon and archived anytime. Watch Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports and listen to PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. For more than 40 years, K&S Automotive has been repairing, restoring, and maintaining foreign and domestic vehicles with a focus on exceptional workmanship and customer service. Everything from oil changes to major body work. Call K&S now at 410-235-6600 or go to knsimports.com. That's K&S at knsimports.com. The latest edition of PressBox is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson profiles top. Orioles pitcher John Means and the role new pitching coach Chris Holt is taken with Means and the entire organization. Inside, Matt Kremnitzer reflects on Nick Markakis' career, and Bo Smolka looks at what to expect from the Ravens' 2020 draft class in their second season. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. All right, welcome back to the Battle Round, coming to you live from the Chesapeake Employers Insurance Studio. I'm Paul Valley. Join, joining me, as always, is my co-host, Zach Goodman. And on the line right now, from The Athletic, we have the beat writer for the Texas Rangers, uh, Levi Weaver. Levi, how are you this morning? Hey, I'm doing all right. How are you? We're doing well, thank you. First and foremost, I told you I was going to text you last night to remind you about the show. I got so wrapped up watching the Orioles-Rangers game and then the Padres-Dodgers game, as I... Based on your Twitter feed, you were watching that that late West yeah, Coast game, yeah. too. I completely forgot to message you until this morning, so my apologies about that. That is all right. I was, yeah, I was up uh, watching the game as well, but we're, um, you know, maybe not as bright as usual this morning, so if I, if I say any names of old 1980s Texas Rangers instead of current ones, that's the reason why. Uh, no, no worries, man. I, I got four hours of sleep after that game myself, so I'm right there with you. <laughs> now, before we get into talking about this Orioles and Rangers series, when you Google Levi Weaver, the first thing you find is Levi Weaver, American musician. Uh, yeah. Uh, how did you go from being this, and, and I listened to some of your songs last night just to see how you heard, and you, you were pretty darn good. How do you go from being this musician who's pretty good to becoming a baseball writer for the Texas Rangers? Uh, uh, thank you, by the way. Um, yeah, I, I, we, we, that is a really long story. I'm trying to think of a short way to answer it. I kind of uh, hit writer's block as it pertained to music, and we had just moved to Texas, and I had a friend that was um, the digital sports director at the uh at the ABC affiliate here in in Dallas, and he asked if I wanted to kind of do some blogging about the Rangers, and so I thought, well, yeah, I mean, I'm not really doing anything else right now, and uh, I did that and kind of fell in love with it, and in 2016, there was a girl that had a full-time gig as the beat writer, and she moved to Guam, and we kind of talked about, hey, man, do you think you want to do a career change, and I thought, you know, 36 years old, you can only do this, you know, hit the road for so long, and yeah, let's try it. Let's see what happens. So I did it, fell in love with it, and here we are. Yeah, and now you're writing for arguably the most prominent sports publication that's out there right now. So you've <laughs> you, you certainly kind of hit the uh, hit the ground running there. Now the Rangers, the Rangers were kind of stuck in the middle 
last year. They opened a new ballpark. They weren't outwardly committing to a rebuild. Um, and you, you would think that they wanted to put a competitive team on the field to open that new ballpark. That wasn't the case. This year, they've acknowledged they're in a rebuild. How far along is this rebuild, and when should fans expect them to contend? Yeah, I think probably 2023 is early. You'd want to really look at them as genuine contenders. They've it, it was an interesting off season this year because yes, they are in a rebuild and yes, they're in a youth movement. And and so they, from a youth movement standpoint, you've got guys like Leody Tavares in center field. And I mean, we're seeing Anderson Tejada right now because Brock Holt is on the IL. But you you got that like actual young group of guys but this offseason they also acquired some guys that are in that sort of mid-20s range so they traded Lance Lynn for Dane Dunning they traded for Nate Lowe at first base they uh, they, they signed David Dahl uh, Mike Fultonavich is another one uh, gosh Kohei Arihara from Japan so it's guys that if they kind of strike gold maybe it is next year that they sort of begin to contend for a wild card and this is sort of a, an audition for guys who are some of them uh, change of scenery people. Some of them just haven't had a shot elsewhere. But, um, yeah, I mean, they, I think they're kind of trying to rebuild a core of those guys that are that are in that age range. And I think part of the reason is their original core didn't really pan out the way that they'd hoped. They had some draft picks fail. Nomar Mazzara didn't really end up being the guy that they thought. Rugnet Odor is with the Yankees now. So it's an interesting rebuild. It's not the traditional one like we've seen from the Astros or, or even the Orioles. Um it's kind of a hybrid almost. Yeah, it's not really a tear it down and build it back up situation. It's, you know what, we have some of these guys like a Joey Gallo and a Nate Lowe who are on this team and they can help the Rangers stay in games. And let's build around those guys with some younger talent. And I mentioned Joey Gallo and Nate Lowe. Here in Maryland, we know Nate Lowe. He's a former Maryland Terrapin. He played for the Tampa Bay Rays, so we saw him a lot in the American League East. But aside from Gallo and Lowe, not many other recognizable names on this active roster if you live outside of Texas. Uh, how young is this team, and who's somebody that you think could burst onto the scene for the Rangers this year, not just in the lineup but also on the pitching staff? Yeah, I mean, they're they're pretty young. They're not, they're not like all early 20s young, but they're, they're pretty young. There was a lineup the other night where I think Jose Trevino, the catcher, was the oldest guy in the lineup, and I think he's 27, so... Um, as far as breakout candidates, I mean, this might be cheating because he won a gold glove last year, but Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, um, I think is going to be a defensive whiz at shortstop. I think he is good enough to, to really, I think he's good enough to win a gold glove there as well. Um, the question is whether he's going to be able to hit enough to do it. And, and he's shown flashes of being able to do that. Um, so yeah, I think he's one, I, I, in the minor league, Sam Huff is probably a name to look out for. He's got a little bit of time last year and he's a catcher he's tall he's kind of in that joe mauer type frame but the man has just monster power behind the plate he can, he can hit the ball a really long way so he's somebody to look out for rotation wise man so far dane dunning has looked really good he came over from the the white Sox in the lance lynn trade i think he's starting tonight uh his era currently this year is at exactly one he's got a whip of 077 so not a overpowering dominant guy but relies on command and and um, kind of he almost pitches like a wily left-hander except he's right-handed so he's he looks pretty good so far you mentioned this is kind of a 
hybrid rebuild in some ways. They're, they're signing guys. They're trying to make the the major league roster better while they're they're brewing all the young talent in the minor league system. But then you go you go out and get a guy like David Dahl, who's a really talented player. Never really found his street completely with the Colorado Rockies, but it seems like he kind of got recruited to Texas. Is that a guy they look at? And, and maybe you can make the same you know argument for Brock Holt. Is that are those guys going to stick around on this next competitive team, or are they just kind of placeholders right now, waiting for the next wave of, of Rangers talent? Uh, I think Brock Holt is probably a placeholder, and the reason that I say that is Josh Young uh, was their first round pick a couple of years ago at third base, yep. and I think as soon as he's ready, he'll be their third baseman. Um, Dahl is an interesting one. He's had a lot of injuries in the past, so I think a lot of it is reliant on his ability to stay healthy um but they like him as a player i think joey gallo really heavily recruited and they were on a uh, team usa under 18s together um in what like the pan-american games gosh this would have been i don't even remember exactly what year 2006 maybe um no 2011 i think it was anyway so I think if he can stay healthy, he is he is one of those guys that I was a little surprised Colorado let him go the way that they did. Um, I think he has an opportunity. I don't know that it's a slam dunk that he'll be here, but I, I do think he has a chance to stick around if if he performs and stays healthy. You mentioned Dane Dunning, who goes tonight. The Orioles certainly seem to struggle with these young up and coming pitchers. A guy like a Dane Dunning, and that was never more evident than in the last in uh, the three innings that Colby Allard threw last night against the Orioles. He was exceptional. Uh, three innings pitched, forty five pitches, five strikeouts, no hits allowed, no base runners. Uh, Allard was the 14th overall pick in the 2015 draft by the by the Braves. He came over to the Rangers in that Chris Martin trade at the deadline in 2019. Is he somebody that the Rangers expect to arrive this year? And and by that, do, is he going to stick in the bullpen, or is he somebody who you think has a shot at the rotation before this year is out? Yeah, Chris Woodward said last night, like he's kind of forcing our hand to look at him in a different role. Um, I think what the Rangers would have preferred for him to start in the minor leagues and just sort of stay stretched out as a starter. I think they see him as a starter long-term. He's still, I think, only 23 years old. Um, he's, he's still really young. Last year, they gave him a shot in the rotation, and he just was not good. I mean, it was – and again, he's really young, so it's not that he was you know, not a talented pitcher. It just kind of was taking his lumps at the big league level. And he'd show flashes of being good and then flashes of just – I mean, he would just get torched. Um, so yeah, when he's come out of the bullpen this year, he's looked really, really good. And I think the Rangers are going to eventually probably give him a chance to start. My guess is the guys like Jordan Lyles and Kyle Gibson and, and maybe even Mike fulton are auditioning for contenders at the de- uh, trade deadline. Right. And so then you'll start to see guys like him, uh, like Allard and, and, uh, Joe Palumbo and Kyle Cody begin to step in and, and be the rotation. But again, a lot of these guys didn't pitch a whole ton of innings last year, and uh, the team doesn't really necessarily want to ramp up their innings usage this year either. So I think all of this is with an eye to 22 and beyond. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Allard has certainly looked good this year. You're, you're not wrong there. Yeah, the the rotation as a whole uh, has looked good. Now, now you can forgive Fulton Davis's start last night. He wasn't very good against the Orioles, but for the most part, they've been they've been serviceable at worst. Art Harris pitched really well. Uh, you mentioned Kyle Gibson; uh, he's been serviceable. Dane Dunning's been fantastic. How good can this rotation be? And is the bullpen good enough to keep this rotation prominent this season? Yeah, I would. 
I would honestly say you're probably, if you look over the last 10 games, seeing how good the rotation can be. I, I, I do think they might be outperforming their expectations a little bit, um, which, hey, good for them. But I, on paper, it didn't really look like a great rotation this year. I mean, two of the spots are technically um, what they're calling tandem spots. So you've got, after Jordan Lyles, is uh, Wes Benjamin, who is kind of a control-first left-handed pitcher, and then uh, and then you've got Taylor Hearn following Jordan Lyles. But uh, as far as the bullpen goes, they've been surprisingly good. They, they had so many guys get hurt. I mean, I think their top five or six relief pitchers were injured, and that's that's a very large percentage of the bullpen. That's uh, like almost all of it. And they've had guys kind of step up and, and do all right. Uh, there's a rule five pick. Brett DeGus has had they, their numbers don't look great because the first two games of the season, they were just abysmal. Like they're really, really bad the first couple games of the season, but they've been really good since. Um, and so it's kind of this surprising, like, all right, well, I guess this guy throws 97 and is getting a bunch of strikeouts. So that's cool. Um, Josh Spores is another one, and they sent him down to activate Joel Rodriguez yesterday. I was a little surprised at that. So, yeah, uh, I, I don't know. I kind of feel like it's we expected the offense to be kind of good, and they've been really hot and cold, and I didn't expect the pitching to be very good, and they've actually been pretty good. So goes to show what I know about baseball, I guess. <laughs> well, yeah, the, the pitching has been I – was, I was surprised to see when I, when I was looking at this roster last night to see how good the pitching actually has been. A lot of fairly low ERAs in that rotation and in that bullpen. You mentioned some injuries on the team. Brock Holt and Chris Davis, they were some free agent acquisitions um, in the offseason. They're both on the injured list. Chris Davis, he's a big-time power bat who's had a, an offseason the last couple of years. Um or down seasons, excuse me, the last couple of years. What are their expectations for him, and do you have any updates regarding their injury status? Yeah, so that is a mystery to me. On, on what, I keep getting the sense that that Chris Davis, that something's up. Uh, and physically, they said he's probably a week and a half away. Um, but then there's, the, the, you know, you hear these comments like, you know, from a physical standpoint, he's just a couple weeks away. And then at that point, it's just a baseball decision. Right. Okay, well, what's a baseball decision? Like, it sounds like maybe, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what the plan is. They're paying him a lot of money this year, so I assume they're going to give him a shot. He looked a little rough to start spring training, but kind of put it together at the end and really was starting to hit his stride when, when he was injured. So I, I really don't know what their plan is with him. And I think maybe a lot of it has to do with how Adolis Garcia does over the course of the next couple weeks. Um a Cuban outfielder. He played for the, the Cardinals for a while. Really, really big power bat, but also kind of chases and strikes out quite a bit too. Right. Um, and they've worked to shorten his swing and, and keep him from, from chasing as much. And so I kind of think if he really has a breakout season that maybe there's not as much room for a Chris Davis type. Whereas if he you know hits 105 over the course of the next couple of weeks, then maybe, I mean, they could use a right-handed power bat, so... Being we are an Orioles show, I do want to talk about a guy who was a former Oriole drafted by the Orioles in the fourth round of the 2013 MLB draft, Jonah Heim. Um, it was now looks like he's going to get a chance a little bit for the Rangers this year. I'm not sure how many games he'll play, but what have you seen from Heim so far, and does he look like a guy who could stick? Absolutely. Yeah, I've, I've been really impressed with Heim so far. His He's worked with the with the pitching staff well. Um, I wasn't sure what to expect from his defense. I hadn't heard a whole lot. Um when he came over, but the defense has been really good. He's got a good, I mean, good arm 
and he's hit really well. Uh, he kind of has done it all. And I mean, switch hitting catcher that plays good defense. I don't know that you can ask for more than that. I do think there's a little bit of a log jam with Sam Huff coming and with Jose Trevino having like, he's really outperformed expectations at the plate as well as far as hitting. So uh, I don't know how they're going to work out all of that playing time over the course of the, the entire season, but yeah, absolutely. Hyman's looked really, really good. Yeah, it was certainly one of those glove-first guys that the Orioles were kind of willing to let go here. Um, although he was traded for a major league player when he was traded by the Orioles. So that's something worth keeping an eye on. Uh, Levi, we're about out of time, so we, we got to run. But hey, here's to a good season for you, and thank you so much for joining the program with us today. Yeah, likewise. Thanks so much. All right, absolutely, man. Have a great one. All right, and that was Levi Weaver from The Athletic, beat writer for the Rangers, former musician. It's interesting to hear his uh, his story that, and he said it was a long one that where he kind of hit writer's block. And if you're a writer, and if if you're a writer, and that's that's basically how I started my sports journalism career was as a writer, um, and I had a minor in English. Writer's block is a real thing, mm-hmm. man. It's it's a real thing, and it's really difficult to get out of it. They, uh, I used to write songs when I was like a teenager, and then I stopped because I didn't know what to do anymore. I, I, like I, and, and they weren't on the level that uh, Levi Weaver writes. But it's it's hard to write stuff like that. It's hard to write in general. So it's interesting to see a guy who have writer's block as a, a musician and a songwriter move over to something else that was probably foreign to him, but such a good writer that he can kind of hit the ground running and really build a nice career for himself. Yeah, and working for a, a, a very respectable, very big publication that's really you know come on the rise the past few years, the Athletics. So that's you know certainly certainly fun to see, and um, you know the, he gets to cover a team that's that's pretty exciting. The Rangers are, you know, they're they're struggling right now, just like the O's are, but they've got a future, they've got a plan in place, and they've got fun players like David Dahl, who I really really like, um, and and they've got a lot of young talent coming up through the organization. So fun team to cover for sure. Yeah. The, the, the Rangers, I've, I've always liked the Texas Rangers, and I think it went back to when Palmero went went back over to them. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I, I've always liked the Rangers. I like Joey Gallo. He's certainly one of the yeah. more entertaining players yep. in the league, and he's he's got just such such incredible power in that bat, and it's nice to see his bat kind of come to a more complete bat. Right, and, and not home run or bust before. Where, where, where he, would, he had more home runs than singles at one point in his career, so that, that was nice to see. Look, we got to get a break. And then we'll come back and do the payoff pitch. Just remember, if you're headed to a baseball game this season, you're going to need to wear a mask. So why not wear masks to celebrate our hometown and the teams and athletes we love? Pressbox is offering three different types of home team masks, including a purple and orange Maryland flag pattern 20-inch neck gaiter, plus a celebrate a purple neck gaiter honoring the former MVP quarterback, and an over-the-ear two-ply Maryland flag mask featuring a faded version of the iconic state flag. Folks, these are decorative masks. They are not CDC approved, but they are perfect for hanging out and watching games while being respectful of those around you. Get your masks right now at PressBoxOnline.com slash masks. That's PressBoxOnline.com slash masks. When we come back, we'll do the payoff pitch around the league and Orioles banter. Redefine your skills, inspire change, and make a difference. The Army offers the new generation of youth the ability to be part of something bigger than themselves, while also improving who they will become individually. Soldiers have the ability to impact the world in many different ways. The Army supports humanitarian missions ranging from the COVID-19 response to natural and man-made disasters. Visit GoArmy.com forward slash Baltimore. 
Glory Days Grill is celebrating their 25th anniversary this month, featuring their 12-ounce Silver Anniversary New York Strip Steak, the Smoky Thigh Wings, a Double Bacon and Cheddar Burger, the Strip Steak Sandwich, Barbecue Chicken Bowl, and their Silver Anniversary Turtle Cheesecake. Toast to 25 more years with Glory Days Grill's Silver Anniversary IPA, brewed by Virginia-based brewery Devil's Backbone, and take home a commemorative glass. Celebrate by entering any of their three contests online, win a trip to Devil's Backbone Brewing Company, free wings, or lots of other great prizes. Enter online at glorydaysgrill.com slash 25th anniversary. The 25th anniversary menu is available through June 20th. Come in for great food, good sports, and family fun. For more than 100 years, Chesapeake Employers Insurance has been helping Maryland businesses keep their workers safe. With competitive pricing and an AM Best, A-minus financial strength rating, it's no surprise that Chesapeake Employers is Maryland's largest writer of workers' comp insurance. At the end of every workday, someone's waiting for your safe return. Connect with your agent or visit CEIWC.com. C3 American Exteriors is the area's best and most trusted roof and siding specialists. C3 is also an insurance adjuster's worst nightmare and a homeowner's dream come true. With all of the bad weather, chances are you have some roof and siding damage. Call C3 American Exteriors now to get your roof and siding repairs for the cost of your deductible. Don't let the insurance industry get one over on you. C3 guarantees a 48-hour rapid response. Call 401 or go to c3america.com for a free analysis. The journey begins on remote mountain farms and plantations in the lush tropical regions of countries like Colombia and Brazil where the best coffee beans are grown. The beans are harvested by hand, carefully sorted, bagged, shipped, and finally roasted. And the journey ends as your cup of rich, flavorful Royal Farms coffee, the freshest and best coffee in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. The biggest pro wrestling stars today and all time all have one thing in common. You've heard them on Jobbing Out. Matt and Nick Jackson, the Young Bucks. Thanks for having us, man. Appreciate it. Adam Cole. How are you guys doing today? Matt Riddle. Yeah, man. Thanks, man. The champ, Drew McIntyre. The great Ron Simmons. Damn. Keith Lee. Appreciate you guys having me, man. Bill Goldberg. My pleasure. Charlotte. Thank you so much for having me. Mick Foley is with us. This is the greatest name for a wrestling show I've ever heard. MJF. I'm glad you're happy I'm on this show because I'm freaking miserable. Le Champion. Chris Jericho. Le Champion. AJ, Aaron, Brandon, and Glenn are talking pro wrestling every week on Jobbing Out. Find it at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Welcome back to the Batteron Broadcasting to you live from the Chesapeake Employers Insurance Studio. And it's that time, that time for the payoff pitch around the league. Freddie Galvez doubled, tripled, and scored twice. And Jorge Lopez struck out eight over five innings of two-hit ball to lead the Orioles to a 5-2 victory over Texas. Ronald Acuna Jr. didn't homer this time, but he did drive in two runs. And Marcelo Osuna contributed three hits to help the Braves to a 5-2 win over the Cubs. Max Scherzer struck out 10 over seven shutout innings. And Kyle Schwarber made his first Nationals homer a big one as his 463-foot ninth-inning blast walked off the Diamondbacks 1-0. 
Uh, Bryce Harper, Andrew McCutcheon, and JT Realmuto combined for seven RBIs, and the Cardinals' offensive woes continued as the Phillies handled the Saint, handed St. Louis their fifth loss in six games, 9-2. to two. The Rays pounded out eight runs on 11 hits as Michael Walker tossed six innings of one-hit ball to beat the Yankees 8-2. The Yankees are in sole possession of last place for the first time since April of 1998, a year in which they won 114 games en route to a World Series title, proof that nothing is won in April. Nick Castellanos and Joey Votto each homered and drove in two to aid Jeff Hoffman's six-inning one-run performance and sent Cleveland to the showers 10-3. Jazz Chisholm and Starling Marte each homer to spoil Anthony DiSclefani's sparkling performance as the Marlins used three eighth-inning runs to defeat the Giants 4-1. J.D. Brubaker picked up his second win while lowering his ERA to 1-7-6 with six innings of one-run balls. The Pirates beat the Brewers 6-1. Mike Trout, Justin Upton, and Jared Walsh, we talked about this a little bit earlier, combined for five hits and nine RBIs in the heart of that Angels order, including a grand slam by Upton, and the Angels walloped the Twins 10-3. Frankie Montas outdueled Jose Urania with six shutout innings, and the A's won for the seventh time in eight games after starting the year 0-6, outlasting, outlasting the Tigers 3-0. Down 3-0 after 5 and 5-2 after 7, the Mariners scored 2 in the 6th, 2 in the 7th, 1 in the 8th, and walked off the Astros 6-5 in the 9th on Ty France's second hit of the ball game to keep the Red Hot Mariners, owners of baseball's longest playoff drought, in first place. Uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. homered in his improbable return to action, and Jerickson Profar stroked a game-tying two-run double in the eighth inning, but squandered opportunities in the Dodgers' five-run 12th, highlighted by a Corey Seager two-run homer, led to a Dodgers' 11-6 extra innings victory. Games between the Rockies and Mets, the White Sox and Red Sox, and the Blue Jays and Royals were all postponed due to inclement weather. Now Zach's going to help us look forward to today's actions across Major League Baseball. All right, Saturday games on tap. At 1 p.m. we have the last place Yankees, I'm glad to say that, and the fourth place Tampa Bay Rays. We have two struggling teams, D.C.'s Nationals and Arizona's Diamondbacks. Then at the 2 p.m. hour we have the Blue Jays. They'll face off against the really hot Casey Royals in game one of a doubleheader. The second game of that doubleheader will be around 6-10. Uh, Ten minutes later at, at 2-20, the Braves will visit Wrigley Field and the Chicago Cubs. At 4 p.m. hour, the Cardinals will battle the lefty Matt Moore and the Phillies. Dylan Cease and the White Sox go to Fenway to face Pavetta and the first place Red Sox. The rebuilding Tigers will battle the Athletics in the Coliseum. A battle of the Ohio teams as the Reds and the Indians face off. We have a 5 o'clock start time in the first game of a doubleheader between the Rockies and the Mets. The second game of that doubleheader will begin around 8.40. 6 p.m. hour, we have the electric Sandy Alcantara. He'll take on the Giants. We have at 7 p.m. the Orioles and Dean Kramer. They'll play game two versus the Rangers and Dane Dunning uh, at the brand new ballpark there in Texas. The Pirates, they'll visit American Family Field in Milwaukee. Superstars all around at 840s. Kershaw battles you, Darvish, in a Dodgers Padres battle. That'll be a fantastic one. Tune into that one for sure. 9 p.m., the Twins will go up against the Angels in Anaheim. And then finally, the last game of the night, the veteran Astros will battle the red-hot Seattle Mariners, who are still, like you said, in first place, which is awesome for them. Really, really enjoying that. Yeah, man, they haven't made the playoffs since uh, 2001. It's been a while. And and I'm sitting there last night, I'm like, I'm pretty sure they have the longest playoff drought. And I was like, maybe the Diamondbacks. But the Diamondbacks made it in 2017, and they made it before that, too. That was the year they they got J.D. Martinez down the stretch. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, the, the the Mariners have not been to the playoffs since 2001. They won 116 games that, that year, the best record in the history of Major League Baseball, and then they lost in the ALCS to the New York Yankees, of course. That that roster was unbelievable. Yeah. That, that 0-1 Seattle roster, it was 
absolutely stacked. And that's the year they just lost A-Rod. And imagine if A-Rod hadn't gone to the te- uh, Texas Rangers and still been with the Mariners, they would have won even an incredibly more amount of game. I mean, they, they could have been 115 at that point. Um, I forget what the exact number was, but it was a lot. So, uh, which team was it? That uh, you're talking about the, we're the, talking about the, the, the Mariners. The right. They won 116 games. 116. Okay, the, the so ba- they, they would have won even more if A Rod had still been around. Yeah, he he got traded to the to the Rangers, played right. two years there, and then went to that right. storied Yankees career with all the steroid scandals. But anyway, <laughs> uh, look, uh, Steve Molesky just texted me and asked if we can go on five minutes earlier with him. So we only have ten minutes for Orioles banter. So we're gonna get right to it. I'm calling this segment of Orioles banter "Staying Power." Somebody asked me on Twitter a couple of days ago, whom on this roster I expect to be on the next Orioles winning roster. Look, I was at work, um, so I couldn't really put too much thought into it. I gave a quick answer off the top of my head, but then I, I really started to think about it. I thought it could be a fun segment for this show, so uh, that's what we're going to do. Uh, so I, I have here the Orioles position players. We're going to go through each player. Um, and we're going to say yes, no, or maybe, and give our reasons why. First, Cedric Mullins. I'm going to say yes. Uh, he's been the Orioles' best player to start this season. Uh, the defense is there. He's a, their a, their first true leadoff hitter really since Brian Roberts. Um, we've seen guys like Adam Jones, Manny Machado, Nick Markakis, Chris Davis, uh, Trey Mancini. Maybe not Trey, but there were talks about it. We've seen guys like that, not your prototypical leadoff hitters, start the games for the, for the Orioles. Uh, Cedric Mullins, I think, has the staying power to be on this next contender. Yeah, for me, I think it's a maybe. Um, you know, he's had a, he's had a great start to the season, and he, he looks great, but I want to see generally a little bit more um, and I, I want to see a full season of success from Cedric Mullins first before I go out and say he's going to be on the next winning team, the next winning franchise. Um, and so I, I think with, with Mullins, it, the defense is there, like you said, but I just want to see a full season with the bat. So maybe for me, leaning toward yes, but maybe. Yeah, I look at his bat, and he hit two seventy eight last year, yep. and the on-base percentage is there this year. He's having, right. he's having better at bats. I want to see more stolen bases. Uh, he's only got two this year. I want to see more stolen bases from Cedric, but I think that he's got staying power. Uh, Anthony Santander, I have him as a no. I think that he's the Orioles' top trade chip. Agree. I agree. I don't want him to be traded, but I think he's going to be. I think they have a log jam in the outfield, and I think he's going to be the guy that's traded to bring some prospects back. Yeah, I mean, I, I've made this argument a couple times on the show, but I think just the the fact that his value is so high right now, and there's no guarantees that his value will stay that high. What he did in 2020 was so amazing. I mean, he was people. He was in MVP talks halfway through the season last year, and he led the you know led the Orioles in extra base hits. I think he'll be traded at some point too. Uh, DJ Stewart, I have him down as a maybe and this is why Same. he's he's taking the best of bats of anybody on the team but when Austin Hayes comes back they said he could come back tomorrow it's more likely he comes back on Tuesday in yep. Miami when he comes back DJ Stewart's going to the bench and he'll get his playing time he'll make his three four starts a week and he'll have pinch hitting duties but it's up to him to prove that he belongs in this lineup day in and day out. But right now, with Santander, Mullins, Hayes coming back, Mountcastle, you don't want to just straight up DH him every game. DJ Stewart's got to fight to keep his name in the lineup every day. Uh, I think he could be uh, middle of the order or top of the order hitter for the Orioles in the coming years. So it's a maybe for him for right now. Yeah, I, I think I'd agree with that. I mean, DJ Stewart's going to have to to play the field a little better. Maybe like Stan said, I know Stan talked about if he if he loses a little weight and gains a little you know pep in his step a little bit more, maybe a quicker DJ Stewart can play a better outfield. His outfielding is okay. You know, it's not his defense is average. His arm is really good. I do like that. But I think based on his defensive limitations, I'm not sure his bat is going to do enough to keep him here long term. But he's fine for now. 
Uh, Ryan Mountcastle, that's a yes. Yeah, that, sure, uh, yeah sure. He, he's going to be one of the Orioles' best hitters for the next Absolutely. 10 years. Absolutely. Ryan Mountcastle is a, a definitive yes. Uh, Austin Hayes, I have him as a maybe. I, because, look, when he's on the field, he, he can be a difference maker, but he's rarely on the field. This is a guy who's been injured a lot in his career. If it's not a broken rib or a strained shoulder or a broken thumb, it's a strained hamstring. Uh, he yeah. has to stay on the field. Now, if he comes back and he puts in 140 games, 135 games this year, hits 280 with 15 to 25 home runs, then yeah, my answer will change right. to yes at the end of this year. But until he can prove he can stay healthy, he's a maybe for me. See, for me, it's a yes because I, I don't think you can let a guy like Austin Hayes go simply because he's so ridiculously talented. There's everything there. He's got every tool and he uses them all. And he's an, you know, he the arm is amazing. The power is there. He's an amazing player who can't stay on the field. If he stays on the field, the answer is definitely yes. If he can't and he, and he has more injuries this year and he you know, plays 40, 50 games, I'm not sure the answer would be yes. I, I don't think so. Well, yeah, and you look at the Orioles outfielders. Santander's had an injury history. Same with DJ mm-hmm. Stewart. Same with Yosniel Diaz. Another reason to trade Santander yeah. because you don't know what that future injury, you know, future really looks like for him. Trey Mancini. The Orioles don't have uh, – he's a maybe for me. The Orioles don't have a big-time first-base prospect. They just don't. Right, uh, they they didn't get Torkelson in the draft last year because they ended up not finishing with the worst record, say the number two overall pick. If they're picking number one overall, Torkelson's the guy, but they don't have him. They don't have Andrew Vaughn. Right. They have Trey Mancini, and then in the minors they have Tyler Nevin. They don't have a big first base prospect. If Trey Mancini was twenty six years old, it would be a definite yes for me. He's thirty. He, he he's right. He's his age is too far up there in a rebuild for me to commit to him. But he's the heart and soul of this team. So he's a maybe for me. He's a maybe for me too, but I, I think that Ryan Malcastle showed me enough in 2020 where I would be willing to put him out there at least for a little bit and just kind of see what he's got at first base. Um, and I, I'm not sure he's the future there because his def, you know defensive abilities are so limited. Right. But I, I do think that's the Orioles' best option if it's not Trey Mancini. I, I think Ryan Malcastle is the guy there. Well, I, I'd like to see him actually play first base. I would too. I, I, I would. Su- I would support him him starting there a few games, especially with Trey Mancini struggling right now. Yeah. Put, that, 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 Trey DH. Exactly. Put Ryan at first. See what happens. All right. Speed round, because uh, we're running we're running low on time. Right. Rio Ruiz. No. No. Uh, Freddie definitely. Ga- definitely. Fre- Freddie Galvis. No. No. Michael Franco. No. No. Ramon Arias. No. No. Uh, Pedro Severino. Clearly no, because he's not. He's good enough to be a starting catcher in this league, and you have Adley Rutschman coming. I, I think he's the backup to Adley Rutschman. So for me, it's a maybe. I, I think that he's too good. He, he's too. Somebody will pay him to be a starter. Somebody somebody will give him a starting catching job in, in, in Major League Baseball. Ryan McKenna, I have a yes. I have a maybe, um, just because the the log jam the Orioles have in the outfield right now. He just he's great defender, great arm. I don't know where he fits in. Well, the thing with him is he's a fourth outfielder. He's right. a, he, and, and, yeah, exactly. And, and he'll be a fourth outfielder. You're not going to make a guy like Justin Neal Diaz or DJ Stewart or Anthony Santander right. or Austin Hayes or Cedric Mullins your fourth outfielder. Exactly. So for me, he sticks as the fourth outfielder, and you're going to see a couple of trades here in the coming yep. months and years. Chance Cisco, no. No way. His, ba- his, <laughs> no ba- way. his bat's not playing. And just because he's still technically on the 40-man roster, Chris Davis, hell no. No. Hell no. <laughs> All right. Chris Davis, 2023, last year of that. Or 2022, I should say, is the last year of that contract. So no way. No yeah, way. Yeah. Uh, now to the pitchers. John Means, yes. Yep, for sure. Matt Harvey. No. No. Going to get uh, traded. Bruce Zimmerman. This is an interesting one. It's a maybe for me because he's been the Orioles' second best pitcher behind John Means this year. Uh, but 
does he have the stuff to stay in a rotation that's going to feature Grayson Rodriguez, D.L. Hall, Dean Kramer, and John Means? Does he have I, enough to be a fifth starter? Look, I, I look forward to a to a rotation that has John Means, Michael Ballman, Grayson Rodriguez, D.L. Hall, and then let you know Dean Kramer, Zimmerman battle out for the five. I mean, that that could be what happens eventually. And that's before you talk about Zach Lowther right, and Alexander exactly, Wells and exactly. some, some of those guys. Uh, so that's a maybe for me. Dean Kramer, yes. Yep. Uh, Jorge Lopez, no. No. <laughs> T- no. Tanner Scott, look, he's a big-time trade chip for them, but I feel like... Do you, not trade Tanner do, Scott. Do not trade do not Tanner. Do it. You need a dominant left-handed yeah. bullpen arm. Andrew Miller was a difference maker for that 2014 Orioles team. Got a huge payday a couple of times. You need that I, I, I would be furious if Tanner Scott if were to trade. Traded. If they trade Tanner Scott for anything other than a top Major League-ready second-base prospect, right. I will lose my freaking mind. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, Cesar Valdez, no. I th- no. He's... He's got the dead fish, but look, A, they say, oh, he doesn't walk, guys. He doesn't <laughs> he throw. Does. He does. He does, and he doesn't throw a lot of strikes. Uh, he, he gets a lot of chases, right? right? And I like him. He's pitching well, but he's also 36 years old. And he might be a trade chip. You never know. Yeah. A, team, a team desperate enough could be willing to make that trade. You know, last night I wrote Dylan Tate as a yes, but I'm going to change that to a maybe. I think it's also a maybe. Because he's got to prove that he can come in and have clean innings, like Stan said. The stuff is there. Everything else is not quite polished yet. But I, I think a maybe is fair. Paul Fry, I have him down as a yes because he's he doesn't become a free agent until 2025. You got team control there, but I have him as maybe. I'm not sold on Paul Fry, but being that he's a lefty, he's kind of an impact lefty, I, I would say maybe. Every team needs a Paul Fry. Right. Every, uh, yeah, every team needs a team Paul need, Fry. Teams need these these lefties for sure. Sean Armstrong, spin rate in the 97th percentile. I have him as a yes because he's also under team control through 2024. Big, big Sean Armstrong guy, yes, for sure. Travis Lakins Jr., I have him as a no. Yeah, no. no. I don't think so either. Tyler Wells, I have him as a yes. I, I have him as a maybe. I don't know if if he ends up making it through this 162 games, which he needs to. I'm not positive of that. So we'll just see what happens. See, I think Tyler Wells sticks. 6'8", 250. He, he's got a good pitch mix. He's been he effective so hard. far. Uh, that, that's a dude that, that the Orioles want to keep, and I think they'll find a way to keep yeah. him. And, and he's his ERA is not indicative of how well I feel like he's pitched. Um, Max Garoller. He's not. He's not no. gonna last. They've already no. put him on the IL uh, I, with a shoulder strain or something. I don't think he's actually hurt. probably just gonna get returned. But when he comes back off the injured list, I would think. Yeah, I think he's. I, I think he's the odd man out between the two of them. Adam Plutko, I have him as a maybe because he is under team control for a few more years. He's I pitched would go well. yes. He's pitched well. Yeah. If they keep using him in the role that they're using him, and they they say, hey, you're not a starter. You're a multi innings reliever and a back end back end type of guy. Uh, we're gonna keep we're gonna keep you around, but he's still a maybe. And then for me, Wade LeBlanc, that's clearly a no. That, uh, Wade LeBlanc's in his mid thirties. He's look, he came out and didn't pitch well for the Orioles, and now he has pitched well his last couple of outings. But he's not he's not a, a, a pitcher on a contending team. He's only here on a one year eight hundred thousand dollar deal um, on a major league deal. I don't think he even gets brought back next year. So for Wade LeBlanc, it's a no. Look, the Orioles have the Orioles have a lot of talent on this roster. A lot of guys who are who are bridging a gap till we get to the talent that's at the minor league level. Um, this is this is a roster that's going to be have a lot of movement, not just in the coming years, but a lot of movement this year. So it's it's difficult to say with any kind of certainty that a lot of these players will still be here, but there are a number of players that will be, like in Austin Hayes, a Ryan Mountcastle, uh, hopefully. A Tanner Scott. And with that in mind, we have Steve Molesky on the line right now from Madison Sports and Extra Innings on 1057 The Fan. Stan, how are uh, Stan, sorry. Steve, how are you today? Hey, doing good. What's up? 
Uh, we're very glad to have you on the program. We were just talking about some guys who are going to be on this Orioles roster the next time they're in contention that are on the roster now. And one of the ones that we talked about is Tanner Scott. Now, look, Tanner Scott's got an electric arm, maybe some of the best stuff in that Orioles bullpen. Sometimes he struggles to throw strikes, like as was evident uh, in that game against the Mariners the other day. Zach and I are in agreement. We do not want to see Tanner Scott traded, but he could be one of the Orioles' top trade chips. If, if you had your crystal ball, do you see Tanner Scott on the Orioles' next uh, contending baseball team? I mean, probably so, but you just it, you, when people ask about who could be traded and who won't be traded and who, you know, there's not, I don't think there's a list, uh, either a physical list or in Michael Elias' mind that here's six guys I'm not going to trade because um, what if you hear an offer that you go, wow. I can't believe they offered that right. for a package that includes Tanner Scott. So there are certainly, it's not impossible he would get traded, but I do would, would agree that if you're identifying some core players who you think are really potentially you know, guys who are going to be there into the future, you certainly look at him. I mean, look at that arm. He can throw 100 miles an hour with a... 90-mile-an-hour slider, he's got great stuff, and he's under team control for many more years, so he fits the profile of someone that you know you think will be around for a while. And you would certainly hope so. It's kind of like uh, when the Orioles acquired an Andrew Miller in 2014 to help them make that playoff run. You need an arm like that in your bullpen, especially in the back end. Now, the Orioles' bullpen was phenomenal. Last night, four innings, two hits, no walks, seven strikeouts. Paul Fry seems to be rounding into form uh, after a really tough spring. Uh, like I said, that bullpen looked really good last night. How good can this bullpen be for the Orioles in 2021? Well, I mean, last night is what you hope, and you're not going to get that every night. We know that. That's Nobody true. does. But, I mean, that was really spectacular. Four innings, seven strikeouts. They just didn't let Texas get anything going. So it does look like, fingers crossed for the Orioles, that it's rounding into shape a little bit with Fry all of a sudden is good again. <clears throat> and Tanner Scott, we know about him. I think Dylan Tate's got a ton of talent and is going to start, you know, stacking up some good outings. And they got to get Armstrong going. And then finally they'll have, you know, four or five dependable guys. And, you know, for now Valdez is a ninth-inning guy. I mean, he could be the fifth-inning guy tomorrow night. He's just so valuable. He can do it all, and I'm fine with him closing right now because I, I don't need a guy throwing 98 to close. I need a guy to get out, and he has one misstep in closing situations since they, they put him there, and it's a rebuilding team. So the ninth inning guy to me is not critical on the Orioles right now. There will be a time where that will change. But, uh, so the bullpen looks like it's rounding into some shape here. Well, and the bullpen for the Rangers on the other side of things looked really good last night, especially Colby Allard. The Orioles finished the game 0 for their last 12, did not get a hit after the fifth inning. Uh, but before that, the, I, I liked the Orioles' approach last night. They seemed a little bit more relaxed at the plate. Uh, they weren't chasing as many pitches. Uh, like last Sunday, for example, I counted 19 pitches they chased out of the strike zone in that game against the Red Sox. Did they seem more relaxed to you, and what did you see from their approach last night that made the difference? I mean, I think you get a lead, you get a few early runs, that, that, that's relaxing. So that's really what it's going to take. <clears throat> and you hope they do that for a couple games in a row and can reel off a couple wins. And then, you know, the focus is stop being on strikeouts and chasing. 
And they didn't strike out a lot in the Mariners series, uh, but they only won one game. So right. last night they weren't striking out a lot, but then it started to pile up at the end. So there's all, you know, there's always something going on with the offense. But it was good to see Rio go opposite field. DJ Stewart turn on the ball. Um, Galvis get a couple extra base hits. So I think Franco's starting to swing it. You got to get Trey going, obviously, and they will. And Santander too. I mean, really, when you think about it. Going into the season, we thought a given was that they would have a strong 2-3-4. However, he wanted to stack it. Santander, Trey, Mountcastle, those three would be right there and productive. And collectively, they have not been. Now, now with Santander, I have to ask, because he is, you know, he's had a few good seasons now, but he hasn't exactly, he doesn't have a huge track record of anything that's been otherworldly. You know, he had a really good 2020, but do you think that pitchers have caught up to him at all? Do you, do you think they're, they, they kind of found his cold zone of, of where he's hitting in the zone? Is he figured out yeah, now by, I don't, by pitchers? I don't think they have. I think he's in a mild slump, and this too shall pass. I mean, this guy, when he got hurt last year, was leading the American League in extra base hits. The yep. American League now. In extra base hits. It was a small sample. It wasn't 162. I know that. And I'm not saying that's the hitter he is. He's going to lead you to the league in OPS, but he's, he's just not going to struggle like this all year. I don't think they found anything. Um, he's just not swinging it. Same with Trey. I mean, it's not like all of a sudden they identified holes in his swing. He's just not swinging it. So, you know, and in Trey's case, I'll say this. The metrics tell you he's hit it. He's, up until last night, he was hitting the ball really hard. Um, he just hitting into tough luck sometimes. So I, I think all three of those guys that we we talked about are gonna be fine. Well, yeah, and the the thing with a, a guy that turns around two Max Scherzer fastballs and hits home runs off of him in, in, in the same game last year, and Anthony Santander, he's going to be fine. And Steve, I actually I saw some some signs that he might be coming out of this thing last night. He had two productive at-bats in his second and third at-bats. The ground out to get Mullins over the third base, and then the sacrifice fly in his third at-bat to score Galvis from third. Uh, do you think that that's a sign that he might be starting to break out of this? I hope so. I mean, there it's um, baseball, man. It's just a, such a day-to-day game. Yeah. But for a hitter, I think one good game, a couple good sequences – a bloop that falls in, all of a sudden you can breathe again. Um, it, it doesn't take much, and these guys turn it around and get going. And so we just know, and I think you're right, you guys are right when you say Santander doesn't have a long track record, but I think he's got enough for us to say, you know, this is going to get better for him, and, and you might have hit on it that some of that started to come last night. Now, Trey, you mentioned he was struggling 0 for 4. Golden Sombrero, four strikeouts last night. His average is down to 151. Now, his expected batting average is like 262. Um, so he, he's hitting the, he's hitting to some tough luck. He's been robbed of RBI hits by Raphael Devers at least three times that I can remember. Um, is this a situation where maybe they need to give him a day to reset or maybe they need to DH him and put somebody else out of first base so he can focus just on his hitting for a game? What do you think that the Orioles need to do to kind of jumpstart his season? I don't know. I, I really don't. I wish I had the answer for him. But I, I hope eventually he – it's going to be hard for this to happen for him this year. But I hope at some point he can be just another player for a while. Yeah. I think part of the issue with Trey – is this guy has so much want to, as Buck would say, and we know how badly he he wants to lead, and he's great at all these things, and then 
the guy beats cancer, and, and then he, he's the focus constantly. Everything was the first. He's doing all these interviews. He's just, he's just wonderful in all these ways. And I think it all kind of just crashed down on him like a wave. Um, and then all of a sudden, you, you, you have a couple bad at-bats, and Trey's so hard on himself. It's just so much is swirling here that um, at some point, you know, and I hope this, in a, in a di- very different way, I hope this Rathley Rutschman, that he can be a guy, just a guy for a week or two when he starts playing, but he probably can't, and Trey probably can't either, because, you know, what he did was incredible. So he's going to be noticed and discussed everywhere he goes, and he should be, but that makes it a little tougher for him also, I think. Well, yeah, I, I think we all have the confidence that Trey is going to snap out of this thing and he's the numbers are going to be there at the end of the year it's Um, almost like he he takes the totality of the love that's been shown him which is massive and he wants to return all that and how can you because you have you know thousands and thousands of Oriole fans outpouring to him and he's just one guy so it's hard to it's hard to level the level the scales there but he's trying with every swing and He'll eventually settle in and relax, and he, he's been through tough times before. It's oh, yeah. one good thing. He, did, he had that a couple years ago when he struggled badly, and he thought he was going to get sent down, and, uh, you know, he just was really a, mentally kind of a mess, and he got through it. So he's got a base to draw on there. And when Trey gets going, he's a professional hitter, and it's, it's a sight to see. So I think we're all looking forward to that happening sooner rather than later. Steve, the Orioles are 5-2 and two on the road. And they're one and six at home, and this is continuing a trend of winning more away from home since 2019. Why do the Orioles seem to play better on the road? Yeah, I don't know the answer to that one. Um, that's a mystery. So, and it might level off too. So it's still early. You know, it's too you know too soon to say they're going to be a good road team all year because of seven games. But right, um, I, I don't know, man. Sometimes teams get away from. The responsibilities of home, and they just maybe they can focus more on baseball, and maybe if they're a dad and they're chasing their kids around all day, they get a little more rest. I just don't know what what really leads to that, but um, they just when they from the start of the game last night, it just felt like a little bit of a different team and night was going to perhaps unfold, and then sometimes the way it looks and feels can be deceiving, but it wasn't in this case. Yeah, Texas seems to have that that effect on the Orioles. It seems like a trip to Texas is usually what the doctor ordered for the Orioles when they're struggling. I remember a series in April 2016 where they had a couple of poor offensive games, and then the next thing you know they have a nine-run seventh inning, and they ended up uh, really kind of going on a tear from there. So uh, I think that the team – you're probably right. It will probably – even out. Now, Steve, you're kind of a jack of all trades when it comes to the Orioles and when it comes to baseball, but I think many would say that your 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 strongest point is the minor leagues. Minor league spring training has gotten started. Uh, have you heard anything about what's going on down there? They've begun, uh, begun exhibition games. Is it a schedule that resembles a grapefruit league? What's going on down in Sarasota with the Orioles minor leaguers? I uh, know I haven't heard heard too much, and I mean I really missed going to spring training this year, and I missed going to Twin Lakes. That's a really treat to get over there and see that side and renew some friendships and so forth. And so um, I did have Matt Blood on my 105.7 The Fan post game show about a week ago, and he was very positive about how the players reported, and he agreed with my assessment that we're going to see players this year who we didn't see at all last year. Um, who did a lot of good things when no one was watching. You know, they improved their physical, uh, 
fitness or they improve their batting eye or, you know, they're just going to be different and better. And that, that'll be great for the organization. And so, um, you know, they have essentially the AAA team at, at the alternate site. Um, and then they have three other teams, uh, Delmarva, Aberdeen, Bowie, uh, there. And they have uh, Delmar. I believe it's uh, Delmarva is together at Twin Lakes, the group of players out of which that roster will be formed. And the other two were working at Ed Smith. So they have good facilities. They're using them all. They're going to play games. It'll be just like it. You, you, in previous years when the minor league started playing games, two of the teams would be home and two would go on the road, total of four. This year there's three teams there. So like Delmarva, if Delmarva's home, the other two will be away and vice versa. And so, um, you know, they're looking forward to it. They're really looking forward to May 4th and the minors. Steve, we know a lot of the players that are are down at that alternate site, but what's the latest on Michael Ballman? Is he kind of getting ramped up to being able to be in the majors at some point soon this season, or do you think he's still so far away because of the injury he suffered in 2020? I, I We've heard his health is good. Um, you know, we're going to be interesting to see him and how they handle him this year. I mean, one thing they that I did learn from Matt Blood in that interview and I asked him with six game series in the minors this year, and that's they're all playing six game series Tuesday through Sunday for the most part. Does that lend itself to a six man rotation necessarily? And he said, what we're going to do is tandem pitching, piggyback pitching to get more starters out there essentially where, you know, that's just, that's a situation you guys I'm sure know what piggyback pitching is where, one guy starts the game, goes to about the middle of it, and another guy comes in and goes to the end of it. Now, there'll, there'll be other places to get other guys in from time to time, but a lot of times this year, and apparently at all the levels, there will be piggyback pitching, which allows you to, to get some extended innings from more guys. To, to develop more starters is the ultimate goal of that. Well, Steve, I'm sure that you're – you can't have a conversation uh, talking about the minor leagues without talking about Adley Rutschman, but right now, more importantly, without talking about Heston Kerstad. Uh, he's the Orioles' second overall pick, came down with a bout of myocarditis. He was supposed to report to the Orioles in spring training. That got pushed back. Then it was supposed to be the alternate training site. Last we heard, he still has not um, reported to the ATS yet. Is this something that uh, that we should start to be concerned about? And are, the, are the Orioles concerned that they have yet to see their second overall pick play? There's not a lot being said right now, but so is that good news? Is that bad news? I don't think we know. I think we would, my guess would be there'd be some update of some sort coming before too long um, to tell us what's going on with Heston. Is he, gonna, is he able to play or not? Is this going to take another month or two? What's going on? And so, obviously, there's concern there for a top pick. You know, you want to get him on the field as soon as they can, and you want his health to be to be there, more importantly, dealing with something that, you know, it's not just a twisted ankle. Yeah, it's something that I'm sure the Orioles are monitoring very closely. I think we'll all be excited and have a sense of relief once he finally does hit the field. Steve, I know that you're short on time, so we're going to let you go. Thank you so much for joining us on the Bat Around today. All right, guys. We'll see you. All right, man. Have a great weekend. And that was Steve Molesky from MassInSports.com and Extra Innings on 105.7 The Fan joining us today. Usually, 
we have our guest do take to rake with us. He asked us to come on a little bit earlier because I know he was short on time. So we're going to skip the guest portion of take to rake uh, this this weekend. Um, and we'll, maybe we'll be able to get a guest back to do it next weekend. Uh, just remember, every Monday through Friday, Glenn Clark and Kyle Ottenheimer bring their pragmatic and irreverent approach to Baltimore sports via PressBox's Glenn Clark Radio. Watch the show at Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports and listen to PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. You never know who might pop up on GCR. This week, the guys called up with baseball legend Dave Parker, Ravens offensive lineman uh, Bradley Bozeman, potential Ravens draft picks Quinn Oh my gosh, Quinn Miners uh, and, sure. Jason, and Jason Oway and more. Find those interviews today in the Glenn Clark Radio Week in Review feature at PressBoxOnline.com. All right, the latest edition of PressBox is available now on the cover. Luke Jackson profiles top Orioles pitcher John Means. Here's the cover right here. And the role the new pitching coach Chris Holt has taken with Means and the entire organization. Inside, Matt Kremnitzer reflects on Nick Markakis' career. And Bo Smolka looks at what to expect for the Ravens' 2020 draft class in their second season. PressBox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Make the most out of every day in a Toyota RAV4, available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. We're going to come back in just a second. Who am I thinking of? I thought this is going to sound... I thought Dave Parker was dead. <laughs> well, apparently, apparently not, because he, no, he, he was on Glenn Clark Radio this week, <laughs> so hopefully he, not. He is, he is alive. Who am I thinking of? He was a big bat um, for the Oakland Athletics, uh, and Reggie who, Jackson. I don't no, know. I don't know. This is going to drive me insane because. And look, all due respect to Dave Parker, I, I who who the hell am I thinking of? You don't know. I, I don't. Know. I honestly have no let's clue. Get, let's get to break. We'll come back. We'll do take the rake, and I'll see if I can remember who the hell I'm thinking of right now. Go ahead. Hey everybody, this is Chris Ruling with Great Eights Memorabilia. Want to invite you out to Looney's Pub, Perry Hall, on Thursday, April 29th from 7 until 10 p.m. as we raise money for Meals on Wheels of Central Maryland. The NFL Draft Party is going to be hosted by Baltimore running back Gusta Bus Edwards, and this is a free, family-friendly event good for everyone to come to. Meet and greet tickets are on sale at missionticks.com or Great Eights Memorabilia. C3 American Exteriors is the area's best and most trusted roof and siding specialists. C3 is also an insurance adjuster's worst nightmare and a homeowner's dream come true. With all of the bad weather, chances are you have some roof and siding damage. Call C3 American Exteriors now to get your roof and siding repairs for the cost of your deductible. Don't let the insurance industry get one over on you. C3 guarantees a 48-hour rapid response. Call 401-9797 or go to c3america.com for a free analysis. Guys, we're almost there. As a lot of people have said, we are at the 10-yard line, but the COVID-19 pandemic is not quite over, so we need to continue to be vigilant, do the right things, including wearing our masks, and if we're going to wear them, why wouldn't we wear masks that represent our favorite teams and players? Home team masks, available right now. Pressboxonline.com slash masks. we got a purple and orange state flag neck gaiter for you, as well as the Celebrate 8 MVP neck gaiter, and an over-the-ear face 
updated distressed state flag and traditional colors mask. They're available. Pressboxonline.com slash masks. Let's get this over with. Wear our masks. Home team masks. This is how you get a premium cup of coffee. Better and faster than the drip, drip, drip method. And way better than a large urn of lukewarm coffee made who knows when. At Royal Farms, our new Swiss-made coffee machines grind fresh, premium beans on the spot and then brew them one cup at a time for the freshest, most flavorful cup of premium coffee you can buy. This is Royal Farms coffee. It's better because it's the freshest coffee in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Redefine your skills, inspire change, and make a difference. The Army offers the new generation of youth the ability to be part of something bigger than themselves, while also improving who they will become individually. Soldiers have the ability to impact the world in many different ways. The Army supports humanitarian missions ranging from the COVID-19 response to natural and man-made disasters. Visit GoArmy.com forward slash Baltimore. For more than 100 years, Chesapeake Employers Insurance has been helping Maryland businesses keep their workers safe. With competitive pricing and an AM Best, A-minus financial strength rating, it's no surprise that Chesapeake Employers is Maryland's largest writer of workers' comp insurance. At the end of every workday, someone's waiting for your safe return. Connect with your agent or visit CEIWC.com. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson profiles top Orioles pitcher John Means and the role new pitching coach Chris Holt is taken with Means and the entire organization. Inside, Matt Kremnitzer reflects on Nick Markakis' career, and Bo Smolka looks at what to expect from the Ravens' 2020 draft class in their second season. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. All right, welcome back to the Bataround Broadcasting Show Live as we do every Saturday from 10 to noon here in the Chesapeake Employers Insurance Studio. And now we're doing, and we're saving the best for last, as we always do, everybody's favorite segment. I have still yet to get a trophy for this, but we will at some point. I, I don't know whether to make it a glorious trophy yeah, or mean, something that's like super cheesy that's just a ton of Are, are we going to do like a loser's trophy? I mean, a loser's trophy might be even funnier, honestly. Uh, Zach, you, you'll be clutching onto that thing for the rest <laughs> I, of your life. I know. You're just looking at the guy who's going to receive it. So <laughs> I, I'm just trying to get a nice trophy for myself. Uh, well, everybody's favorite segment, Take to Rake. And this is... I mean, since we didn't have a guest this week to make take to rig, uh, to make a take to rig pick, I think I just get to pick two players, and we'll just Zach will win if, if one of the two players. Uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> we're, yeah, uh, yeah, look, man, we're not we're not turning you into a charity case here, man. Come on, I don't know. Now. Come on, might have to. Uh, come on now, now. All right, so Zach, you picked Anthony Santander last week. It's safe to say he thought, did not. Thought win. he was going to break out. He three, did three for twenty, one home run, three RBIs, just the one walk, only two walks on the season after ten in spring training, uh, and six strikeouts. He didn't win, uh, but the, the here's here's the 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 where we run into a conundrum. I took DJ Stewart. He was five for nineteen, two sixty seven, one home run, one double, three RBIs, five walks, four seventeen on base percentage. He did have six strikeouts. He's having the best at bats on the team. However, Todd Karpovich took Trey Mancini. He's struggling. He's struggling mightily. It, it, it's not Trey Mancini, it, it, but. But here's the thing. 
And this is why it was a bit of a conundrum. Yes, he was 3 for 25 over the week. Yes, he struck out seven times. Yes, he leads the majors in in grounding into double yeah. plays. But his three hits were all home runs, all 420-plus, all 110 miles an hour off the bat plus, seven RBIs. He hit into some tough luck. I'm inclined to say that I won. And I, I think based on the five walks, uh, a better batting average, I think DJ Stewart wins. Uh, okay. I didn't want to be accused of having bias. <laughs> I didn't want to be accused Paul's of... Paul's just giving himself the wins I, these I'm days. I'm giving myself the wins these days. Trey Mancini had a bad week. There's no getting around it. Three yeah. for 25 is not he, a good week. But the three hits were home runs. Right. and But but the strikeouts, seven Ks. And so, I, I don't believe he had any walks, did he? I don't, I don't think he did. DJ Stewart had five of them. Yeah. So DJ Stewart is... Now, every now and again, he's going to have that two-pitch of bat where he pops out. Oh, he's right? frustrating half the time. Yeah. yeah. But... Then he puts together an 8-9 pitch at bat and gets on base or hits a monster home run, and you're like, all right. Or drill a double to the gap like right. he did the other night. Or, or he hits he hits the in the second game of that doubleheader, the first doubleheader against the Mariners when the Orioles ended up winning. No, the first game, when they ended up losing the ball game, but they came back to tie it, he knocked in the game-tying run. Yep. In that inning, he, that was his uh, second, second, third game back. Uh, DJ Stewart won. He, yeah, he did. He, he had the best week. I go to two and one on the season. Zach falls to one and two on the year. Well, look, it's an Orioles show, so I'm just doing my best Orioles impression. And our guests fall to zero and zero and three. Our guests fall to zero and three. Uh, we did not ask Steve Molesky. We didn't want to bother him with such things because I think they, I, I think he had a lot to do today. Yeah. Um. So I get to pick first. You know what? I just realized I put no thought. Into who I we're going to pick. I have no idea. I'm just going to wait to see who you go with. Then I'll, uh, for, I'll, I'll for, make... for take to rake for this week. And now I took him to start the year. I got to go Ryan Mountcastle. Okay. I got to go Ryan Mountcastle. Look, he entered that Seattle series leading the majors with 17 strikeouts. Yep. He's now struck out just twice. He's going to, he, he's games. breaking out. He's about to break yeah. out. There was, there was a pitch. Did I already say this in the show where I said he was going to hit one to the moon? Did um, I, did, did, I, I think you said that on Twitter. Maybe. Okay. So, or someone else did. So I posted on Twitter. I'm watching Ryan Mountcastle's at bat against the Mariners in one of those games. I was at work, and I put out a tweet, and I said, Ryan Mountcastle's about to hit this ball to the moon because I watched him lay off of two fastballs up in the zone exactly. that I saw him chase all year, and he laid off of them, and I'm like, oh, man, this dude's locking in. Exactly. He's going to hit this one to the moon. Literally, I hit send, and then he had a one-hop double off the fence yep. on the, like, literally a millisecond later. So... Mountcastle, and then he put together a nice little hitting streak. He, he took the 0 for last night, but didn't strike out. Got under some balls. I think he's going deep tonight, and I think he's going to have a week where he bats about 400 with a, with, with a few bombs. Myself. Okay, love the pick. I am going to select a guy who won me a game, and it's I'm going to go Cedric Mullins again. You know, he, he's had a nice game last night. Cedric Mullins is my guy. So, um, you know, it'd be nice to be able to pick Trey Mancini, Anthony Santander at some point. Hopefully, they get hitting soon. But Cedric Mullins, we're going with the guy who won me a game. So. Not going to change what works. Yeah, if it ain't broke, don't fix yeah. it. Uh, the, the horse you rode in on, Look, right? I, I really considered Freddie Galvis. He's hot right now. Mm-hmm. I really considered it. But Cedric, I just feel, is is the more consistent hitter. I, 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 you look for trends, right? right? And you couldn't pick him this week because you picked him last week. I feel like this would have been the week for you to pick Anthony yeah, Santander. Yeah, he, he, he's on the verge. He, he, he barreled up a ball to turn into a double play. 
on, on just a freakish shoestring catch by the pitcher that turned into a double play with the D, with DJ Stewart as a tying runner on second base and nobody out uh, against the Mariners. He hit another one very similarly that turned into an out, but got a runner over the third base, had that nice barreled-up sacrifice fly. Uh, Anthony Santander is going to he's, he's bounce back this week. And I'll tell you now, if they... Trey's going to bounce back sooner rather than later. He might be a good pick next week. Like Stan said before, two or three weeks, he's going to be is going to probably get back to being Trey Mancini. He, he yeah, will get back. Yeah, it, it, he, he's Trey Mancini. Look, he's carrying the weight of the world on his shoulders yeah. right now. It's it's difficult for and I like the way that Steve Molesky broke that down. It's like, look, he's the story, and he's got right. tens of thousands of people, if not millions of people showering him with affection and and he's like I don't want to let anybody down and then he's he's, exactly. he's pressing. He's Trey pressing. Mancini is Trey Mancini. He's too good to be what he is right now. He's a professional hitter. He's right. going to look at the tape and he's going to say, "You know what? Why? Th- this <laughs> this high and tight fastball, I can't hit it right now and I'm chasing it way too much. Right. I got to start letting it go." He stopped chasing the low and away breaking ball uh that we saw him chasing last week. He stopped chasing that. Uh, if he stops chasing the high fastball, waits for his pitch, this dude's too good of a hitter. He's he's going to break out. Agreed. He's going to break Agreed. out. Now, before we get out of here today, um, we the Orioles are playing the, the Rangers tonight at 7.05. You have Dean Kramer working on three days rest because he only threw 54 pitches. It was basically a glorified side session for him. Uh, going up again against Dane Dunning. D- Dean Kramer, he's better than he's shown. But his main issue, since he's made his major league debut, is consistency. He needs to consistently throw strikes. And we talked about this last week. You have to be able to pound the zone. You you're not going to get the chases at the major league level that you got at the minor league level. So you have to learn how to. You have to have that pitch ability. Throw strikes. You have to you have to throw strikes and you have to throw competitive pitches. And he started to do that in his last start, but then the it wheels fell off. Fell off the, yeah, right. In in, in, the, in the third inning. I, I think he's going to get back to it tonight. I have I, confidence. I, he's not facing a potent lineup, so I, I think he's going to he's going to get back. Facing a young and hungry lineup that that uh, might be pressing themselves a little bit in the Texas Rangers. Right. Um, and then on the other side of things, Dane Dunning. And this, that, he looks this, good. Is, this is where that matchup scares me. He was a centerpiece at Lance Lynn trade. Uh, nine, nine innings pitched, one, nine and third innings pitched. He's got a one ERA right mm. now. Uh, this is a guy that the Orioles, specifically this team, tends to struggle with. I, I'm going to tell you right now, we're going to be frustrated with this team tonight. I almost, yeah. I, I, yeah. Just you, you, I couldn't think of this guy's name on the postgame show last night. Now it just came to me. The Orioles, they struggled with Tanner Houck. Yeah, they did. Right? They, they, they struggled with, with with Nick Pavetta. And then with Garrett Whitlock out of the Red Sox bullpen. Garrett Whitlock. Uh, and then they struggled. Who was the Mariners pitcher that came in the other day? Uh, it wasn't Marco Gonzalez. It was it was, a, it, was the, it, uh, the guy who started the second game. I... Uh, Justin, maybe Justin, Ju- something? Justice Sheffield, Ju- Justice Sheffield, yeah, Ju- that's Justice it. That's Sheffield. It. They they struggled with him. Centerpiece of the uh, James Paxton. Yeah, they, they struggled. The Orioles this year and in many years past struggle with these young up and coming starters yeah. who were former first round picks. There's not a lot of tape on them. The Orioles seem to struggle with these guys. I'm hoping that we won't be. But you're probably right. I think we're going to be frustrated with the Orioles <laughs> yeah. tonight. Hopefully, they prove me wrong. But I, I, I'm, I'm, 
If I'm looking into my crystal ball, I can see this being something like a 4-1 to one game. Yeah. Uh, not in the Orioles' favor. They just seem to struggle with these young up-and-coming pitchers. Guys, uh, actually kind of an early show for us today. Uh, that's going to do it for us here on the Bat Around. Uh, thanks for tuning in. As always, wear your mask, be socially distant, and we will see you next week right here on the Bat Around. No see ya? I I feel like I'm, the, I'm waiting for the Sia to shut down the show here, Paul. I feel like I'm blowing out people's eardrums, man. I, I, I'll just turn your sound down while you do the Sia. <laughs> I, I'm, All right. I'm, Let's try this again. We will see you next week here on the Bat Around. See ya!